there it goes. We're set. Thank you. In addition to all of the commissioners that are present, for the record, we have planner Rosemary Johnson with us this evening. Okay, could we have an approval or amendment, or I, actually I should call for amendments to the minutes. Did anyone have any corrections or? I noted on page two, uh, two thirds of the way down, President Fitzpatrick declared that he owned and operated a similar or complementary business. And the notes should say WECOMA Partners Limited, and that's W-E-C-O-M-A Partners. I did not notice any other changes or errors. Could we have a motion? I move to approve the minutes as corrected. Do we have a second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstained? Okay. We have a very full agenda tonight. Uh, as any of you who have attended my meetings before know that I will take a recess approximately every hour. So if we are in the middle of something close to seven o'clock, I may take a recess. It's nothing personal. It's just something that I'm going to do. Uh, we have three public hearings in front of us tonight. I presume that a lot of you are here to speak. We are going to hold to the three-minute rule for your comments. If you agree with people who have spoken before you, you can save time by stating that you agree with those people. Okay, our first hearing. Uh, the Astoria Planning Commission will handle several matters tonight with a public hearing. The order I'm going to follow for each public hearing is outlined in a handout called Procedures for Conduct of Public Hearings Available from Staff. Scheduled public hearings are itemized on the agenda. In each case, I will identify the subject, announce when the public hearing is open, and ask anyone interested to testify regarding the matter. If you wish to speak, please be sure to document your name and contact information on the sign-in sheet. You should address your marks to whether or not the application in question meets the necessary criteria. The significant criteria that apply to each issue are listed in the staff report, which staff has available. If you fail to raise an issue in person or by letter to the Australia Planning Commission or City Council, an appeal of that issue would not be permitted. We're going to have a small change in the order of the agenda. We are going to switch the order of the last two agenda items, so A19-04 will be heard before A19-02. Our first public hearing is continued from the March 26, 2019 meeting. This is miscellaneous request MR19-01 by Jeremy Lumaki for an interpretation as to whether a retail store that sells cannabis and related materials is classified as a tourist-oriented retail sales and service establishment per the Astoria Development Code. This review is limited to the interpretation of the terminology of the use and does not include review of the applicant's ability to meet the requirements for development within the S2A zone or at a specific location. Uh, let's see. Do, could we have a presentation of the staff report and recommendation? Okay. The development code specifically identifies uh, non-tourist-oriented retail sales, retail sales, and tourist-oriented sales or service. Uh, the city, under tourist-oriented retail sales, it states that a user business which devotes 50% or more of its gross floor area to uses or activities which are open or physically accessible to the public 
and are reasonably expected to be of interest to the visitors. The request um, is to determine the uh, classification of the cannabis use. Uh, in the memorandum from the applicant, uh, they use the section con uh, concerning similar use. Staff is not re uh, reviewing this against similar use because we classify it as retail sales. So it's not a use that is similar to something else uh, where it's not defined in the code. In this situation, we have two definitions, retail sales or tourist-oriented retail sales. So it's not a similar use. It is strictly a definition and classification. So in determining the classification, um, we look at the percentage of floor that is physically accessible, and then the big thing is, and are reasonably expected to be of interest to visitors. visitors. Reasonably expected to be of interest, um, what we are looking at is the, although cannabis-related tourism is an offshoot of the cannabis industry, in this situation, the use, and for ancillary purposes, the retail goods on site do not create a destination that would be frequented by visitors over locals. The, um, just because they are used by tourists does not make them tourist related. Uh, the city went through a similar interpretation back in 1999 concerning video rental stores. And video rentals were used by tourists for their motorhomes or for the motel rooms. However, the city council on appeal of that decision determined that even though it was frequented by tourists, and had tourist-related items, that it was not a destination and a tourist-related use. The, the idea that they would have Astoria-branded items in the retail sales, such as uh, logos of Astoria on the products that are for sale, does not make that tourist-related. As an example, you can have a brewery or a brew pub that has Astoria logos and they sell even t-shirts or other items. That brew pub remains uh, classified as eating and drinking establishment, not a tourist-related retail sales because the primary use is the eating and drinking. In this situation, we are saying that the cannabis retail sales is the primary use and the retail sales is the uh, classification. Um, also, re retail establishments that are limited to certain geographic areas do not create tourism-related destination retail. Um, both Washington and Oregon allow retail sales of cannabis. So it's not that you're going to have a destination as tourism. If people come for retail sales, that's another issue. Um, so we are in close proximity to Washington, so that can also be a, uh, a source. The opportunity for the applicants to locate in the S2A zone is not predicated on the tourist-oriented. 
as a retail sales, the, uh, the use could be in an S2A zone as a conditional use. That allows additional review of the use, not necessarily by the product, but by the transportation, parking, and other such issues, not the product itself. Uh, by maintaining the current use classification of retail sales, they could still be located in an S2A zone. Uh, staff recommends that uh, the Planning Commission make the interpretation that cannabis is a retail sales establishment and not tourist oriented and therefore would be subject to the standards of uh, regular retail sales. Uh, with all interpretations, your decision will, be, will affect all cannabis stores citywide. And so the difference of whether they have other uses within that building would be determined during an individual application. In this situation, um, your decision would affect all similar uses, all the cannabis, um, in no matter what zone. Okay, so. The other issue in the staff report, if you look, the city council did determine that it's expected that tourists will frequent other facilities, whether it's for purchase of t-shirts or whatever, but they determined that while tourists need groceries, they go car parts, prescription medicines, eyeglasses, veterinary services, these are used by locals and tourists but just because they are used by tourists does not make them tourist oriented. Uh, it is also the city councils in 1999 stated that it was not the city's intent to allow virtually any type of retail business under tourist oriented retail sales simply because tourists trade there. So that was a previous interpretation. Uh, you have documents in front of you including additional um, supplemental cover memo that you have that has additional testimony concerning this issue that um, I think you've had a chance to read. They went out in your packet. And so staff recommends that you determine that it is not tourist oriented. Thank you, Planner Johnson. Do any of my fellow commissioners have questions of staff? <coughs> Seeing none. Okay, public testimony is now open. If you wish to speak, please come to the table in front here. State your name and address for the record. Is there an application? Uh, I'm sorry, is there a presentation by the applicant? All right. Is there a presentation by persons in favor of the application? Are you in favor? Yeah. Please state your name and address. Uh, my name is Brian Jesperson, and I reside at 3930 Abbey Lane, uh, Unit 203, and uh, um, we own and, uh, and reside at that location. We uh, this uh, unit is in a, a building that is. Uh, 
considered an S2A uh, zone. And uh, a couple years ago when we uh, uh, first looked to purchase the, the condo, um, we were, you know, it was pending a, a ruling, a 2016 ruling that uh, was made and we believe would result in a uh, ultimate adoption of cannabis laws prohibiting cannabis uh, stores in mixed occupancy buildings. So yes, we do uh, agree with the findings of the code interpretation as provided. Um, the S2A zone includes buildings like ours, which are uh, vertical neighborhoods. And uh, with the predominantly uh, residential mix, we have uh, 63 residential units and 17 uh, commercial units in our complex. Um, the state's uh, cannabis laws, as we understand it, protects uh, horizontal neighborhoods, but uh, does not at this point address vertical residential condo buildings. Other cities have written rules and uh, language that does not allow cannabis retail stores in mixed occupancy buildings. We. Uh, Looking back at 2016, the City Council unanimously approved uh, an appeal of a Planning Commission uh, decision for conditional use uh, in a cannabis-related store, and uh, we had hoped that the outcome would be that the City Council would reconsider regulations related to allowing cannabis in mixed occupancy uh, residential buildings. Uh, to date, I believe that has not yet happened. Um, we're not opposed to people using marijuana products, okay? It's legal in Oregon. It's uh, something that we, we uh, support the right. Um, however, you know, putting uh, mixed, mixing cannabis retail stores uh, in with residential units with occupants of all ages, including young children, we feel it just doesn't belong. Um, children playing in our complex, there's uh, catching their school bus in front of their home. They shouldn't have to live in the shadow of a cannabis shop and be potentially affected by the environment that it can create. Um, a lot of the residents have been there for 10 years and uh, you know, they own their units and they haven't, uh, you know, they didn't sign up for having cannabis uh, stores as, uh, as a neighbor. And uh, if there are not permanent regulations or codes preventing cannabis stores and mixed use occupancies, then um, present and future condo owners will uh, unsuspectingly find themselves in uh, this situation again, and they would like to feel confident that it won't happen. Um, I've talked to several, I know my time's up, I've talked to several uh, real estate agents, and all of them agree that um, having a cannabis retail store in the same building will negatively affect property values, uh, will diminish the attract attractiveness of our complex, and quality of life. In addition, it will reduce the number of potential buyers for those contemplating selling their units. When one reads- Thank you, Mr. Jesperson. Okay. Um, we have a question here. Is, is someone speaking in favor of the application, in favor of the interpretation on your end, or in favor of the application uh, to put marijuana shops in the as long as we're clear on what they're speaking on and what you did, what, when he went up, we said it's in favor of the staff interpretation. So as long as we're clear on which one is which, I think we're fine. Okay. So he, he's speaking 
clearly he's speaking in favor or has spoken in favor of your interpretation. The staff interpretation, right. Great, yes. thank you. Would anybody else like to address the Planning Commission? My name's Katie Murray. I also live at 3930 Abbey Lane. And I also express support for the staff recommendation and I want to transmit five more petitions that have already been submitted to the 30 that we, should I give it to you, Rosemary? Uh, give it to Nancy, <laughs> or uh, Tiffany. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Murray. Would anybody else like to speak? Hello, Planning Commission. I'm uh, John Darby, um, 3930 Abbey Lane, Unit 402A. I have not spoke in front of a Planning Commission before, so hopefully everything is clear and understandable. Um, my main concern with this, uh, the tourist-oriented destination is directly above the proposed area are families. There's children, there's doctors, there's museum directors, and marijuana is a very strong odor, which we all know being around it all of our lives, school, whatever. It penetrates through floors, walls, and it gets, it gets into other spaces, such as people's condos, apartments, whatever they're um, described as for the residents that live there. Um, the, the thing that I'm seeing is uh, we have a multi-family complex and in this complex, um, I've been there for 12 years. I'm one of the original five owners that are still there. Um, I originally paid 440K. The original um, payment on the condo still hasn't come back up, but the taxes have after our economy crashed. Um, so with, with that said, um, a pot shop placed in a tourist oriented destination with family directly involved is not what I call a good idea or a smart move for a small town who constantly tries to get best U.S. small town year after year. It's, it's just not, you know, viable for the community. It's just not an appropriate thing for us to uh, be doing. Um, one of the things that um, the pot shop would bring in a tourist-oriented um, destination with direct residential above it would be um, pollution, noise, excessive crime, litter such as cigarette butts, people smoking, uh, throwing their uh, waste on the ground. Um, this is uh, just an example. The, one of the other examples that I have is I'm a patron of El Tapatio Mexican restaurant. Thank you, John. Okay. 
Would anybody else like to address the Planning Commission this evening? Um, I'm Esther Cordova Cromwell, and I've lived here for 29 years, and I fell in love with Astoria and the whole county. Hey, your your name and address? Uh, 939 Class of Ave. Um, I just agree with him. Um, I fell in love with this, this place, and um, it's been amazing. People are amazing here. We're very proper. I come from Yakima, Washington. I'm from Texas. And I have seen what he has described. My family right now, I have three that died that got shot because of all the drugs and all the stuff that he talked about. And I'm just, I'm warning that this place needs to be more like it is because it's, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. And we are very um, fortunate to live here and to grow up and to have kids grow up and know the teachers and know of a community. I've been an interpreter for 20 years in this Astoria County, so I'm just exactly agreeing with him. And that's all I have to say. Great, thank you so much for speaking. Jean Dominey, 3647 Dwayne, two houses from Esther School. Uh, lived in that area for 44 years. Uh, cannabis belongs in a commercial area, not residential, close to a school. Some years back, Sheriff Bergen advised me to oppose a certain uh, application because he said, you do not want strangers coming in and out by a school where there are school children. Uh, this would constitute uh, closeness to a residential area. Please put the cannabis in the commercial zone, not by the children. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Dominey. Anybody else like to address the Planning Commission? Hello, my name is Peggy Mills. I don't even live near the building you're describing, I live down by above El Tapatio at 305 Alameda in Uniontown. Uh, we moved there 24 years ago. I have seen many changes in Astoria since we moved here. And I must agree um, that it is, cannabis should not be allowed in a residential mix. Uh, we used to have a shop on 39th and um, then they built the condominiums. Um, we had a difficulty with traffic in and out because we do loads of heavy steel. Uh, we work in the garage door industry. So there were difficulty with all the changes in the area, getting in and out of 39th. So we moved to an area closer to our home, which is a lot easier by the roundabout. Uh, anyway, um, also I, I don't know where he was going with El Tapatio, but I will tell you this. I live above that restaurant. I used to love it. I went in it one night. I, uh, there is a letter in this packet um, that describes exactly what I think about it. Um, I took my family and my um, child into that restaurant and the smell of cannabis was permeating upstairs into the restaurant. Needless to say, I no longer go there. Um, I think it's really 
insidious and, and basically stupid to mix residential um, and ruin people's property values with cannabis. I think it needs to stay in a commercial area. And I do believe that it, you also, we also have, a, a, I noticed with the other issues, we have transient issues. And I think you are just, um, if you were to let this happen, um, you're opening a can of worms that you cannot come back from. Thank you. Would anybody else like to address the Planning Commission this evening? Seeing none. And since the applicant doesn't appear to be here this evening, we will not have rebuttal testimony. And so I would Did ask you for closing. opposed to the decision, the Planning Commission? Call for testimony opposed to the uh, staff recommendation. Great. Would anybody speak against the staff's recommendation this evening? Seeing none. Closing remarks. Uh, most of the testimony was concerning the specific location. Again, I want to remind the Planning Commission that this is a citywide interpretation on the classification of the use. Uh, the actual location would be reviewed as a conditional use permit at that location if it is determined to be uh, retail sales. And if it's determined to be tourist-oriented sales, then it would be an outright use with no public comment. Great. Thank you. All right. We will close the public hearing. And discussion from commissioners who would like to lead off. I'm happy to start. Commissioner Moore. Uh, I think uh, this particular or marijuana sales is uh, our, the development code addresses it in three different places. Um, it appears to be covered in, in the code as both non-tourist oriented sales and as retail sales establishment. Um, and I think it's reasonable to assume that marijuana sales are more often than, than not for personal use. Um, the retail sales establishment definition says businesses, including a restaurant or bar, which are primarily engaged in selling merchandise for customers for personal use, and I think it applies there. Likewise, um, the development code's tourist-oriented sales or service definition isn't met in my interpretation because it's safe to assume that a randomly selected visitor to Astoria is not reasonably expected to be interested in purchasing marijuana. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you consider uh, Oregon Health Advisory, who, who just recently suggested that one in five adults in Oregon have used marijuana in the last 30 days, which might be a higher number than you expect. It's still far from a majority. And uh, for visitors within Oregon, you can assume that um, they are the one in five, and that's not a majority of users or a majority of visitors. So I wouldn't expect that an average visitor would be interested. Uh, it might also be important to note um, that out of state visitors shouldn't be purchasing marijuana here and taking it home with them because that is still a federal crime. So that further implies that marijuana purchases here 
are for personal consumption and use. So I, I am in favor of the staff recommendation. Thank you, Commissioner Moore. Commissioner Cameron Laddick, would you like to follow up? Sure. Um, I'm also in favor of the staff interpretation. Um, I really agree with these kind of two major points that the fact that the tourists may use a certain type of business doesn't make it necessarily um, tourist oriented. I like the example of Target. A lot of us might go to Kelso to go to Target, but that doesn't make that a tourist destination in Kelso. Um, and I also recognize that it's possible that these particular business owners might create a business that is tour tourist oriented, but I think that's not what we're doing here. Like, I don't think that it's appropriate to classify cannabis retail as a tourist oriented retail. Thank you, Commissioner Cameron Laddick. Commissioner Henry. Uh, I agree with the staff findings that uh, cannabis dispensary and sales belong in the retail sales establishment fits the definition. And I agree with the former two comments. Thank you. Commissioner Womack? I agree as well. Commissioner Price? Yes, I think uh, the staff report was clear and robust, and I agree with the staff's interpretation. I also would like us at some point uh, in the not too far future to consider prohibiting marijuana shops uh, in mixed use residential projects, as was suggested by the council in 2016. Thank you, Commissioner Price. Commissioner Corcoran. On the specific issue, I'm in favor of the staff findings and recommendations. Um, at this point, pot shops to me seem more like OLCC than seashells by the sea. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Corcoran. I, I also agree with the staff's uh, findings and conclusions and don't believe that it uh, is a tourist-oriented uh, business. So I would, uh, I would find in favor of that. Um, further discussion or would someone like to make a motion? I move that we accept the findings of staff. Second. Okay, and we will confirm the, uh, the number on that. Again, that was MR 1901. 1901. Great. We had a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? Motion carries. Okay. Uh, for the record, uh, our city attorney, Blair Henningsgaard, joined the uh, joined us right after we took our roll call. Okay. And but. Chairman, we also need uh, the appeal read in. I, I will, <laughs> on staff's recommendation, I will read the rules of appeal. The Astoria Planning Commission's ruling may be appealed by any person withstanding to the City Council within 15 days of the mailing of the Astoria Planning Commission order. Appeals shall be in writing and shall be filed with the Community Development Director. If an appeal is not filed with the City within the 15-day period, the decision of the Astoria Planning Commission shall be final. Okay. And then we would ask that, for the record, we note that the city attorney is here and he joined us just after the roll call. Next up, com continued from the March 26th 
2019 meeting, amendment request A19-01 by Community Development Director to amend the development code sections concerning riverfront overlay zone requirements, reduce height in the bridge overlay vista, uh, sorry, bridge vista overlay to 28 feet, add definitions for mass and scale, add standards for outdoor storage area enclosures, clarify how to apply various sections of the code for design review, clarify exceptions to building height, expand responsibilities of the design review committee and other miscellaneous updates. Could we have a presentation of the staff report and recommendation? Okay, this was continued from the last meeting as you noted. And what brought this to the forefront was once we developed the riverfront vision plan, we did implementation codes to uh, put into law the vision that was adopted in the riverfront vision plan. The bridge vista overlay area, which is the area from the port to Second Street, the very first issue that came before the planning commission, the, I mean the design review committee, and the Historic Landmarks Commission, both of those issues on an, uh, a hotel were appealed to the City Council. When the City Council reviewed the proposal, <clears throat> they felt as though that the code did not fully uh, follow the intent of the Riverfront Vision Plan and it was not clear in many instances uh, how they should interpret or apply those codes. So the City Council directed staff to look at the Riverfront Vision Overlay Zones and to look at some corrections or updates that would make the code clearer. So as staff, we reviewed the entire code for overlay, the Riverfront Vision Overlay Zones to make sure that everything was in sync and clear. During that process, uh, the City Council then also suggested that we reduce the height in the Bridge Vista overlay zone to 28 feet. Uh, previously, the code allowed 35 feet with a variance to 45. So I'm going to review some of the uh, things that we're looking at here. Um, in addition to the codes that were uh, developed for uh, the Bridge Vista and the Civic Greenway, Neighborhood Greenway area, uh, which is all of the waterfront area except downtown. Uh, the, the amendments are intended to clarify the language. In many instances, uh, as I said, with that 28 feet, we had to change a couple of codes to make that in sync. Due to the testimony from the last meeting, there were some issues that were raised concerning 28 feet and the fact that you could not get multiple stories at all. So staff went back and revised some of it to state that with the 28 feet, that additional height for water-dependent uses over the water would be allowed and that uh, additional heights for affordable housing could go to 35 feet. So allowing the additional 35 feet for affordable housing and allowing a variance to 35 feet for other uses and allowing water dependent uses to go automatically to 35 feet. Those would address some of the issues that came up. 
One of the other issues that came up was the garage area, uh, whether that should be within the 30,000 square feet maximum for the building site. We were clarifying that the building site included all buildings on the site for that development, not each individual building at 30,000, which was the intent was that it was for all buildings. By eliminating garages from that 30,000, it does make the building slightly larger, but it discourages the parking lot that's open and allows for the parking to be hidden. Um, the other, one of the other issues that came up, I'll go back to the top, was that neuter, um, number and gender were not neutral throughout the code. So we added a section that says number and gender are neutral, and we use the language from the city code, but also try to change it whenever possible within the code as we were drafting it. Uh, there were some shoreland issues in the Bridge Vista overlay that the uses were listed under over water, and shoreland is not over water, shoreland is on land, so we just clarified that in the code. Then also, uh, it was brought up that uh, state requires that clear and objective design standards for residential development must be adopted by cities. We had adopted that for the Civic Greenway area, but neglected to do it for Bridge Vista. So we have added the clear and objective design standards. What that means is that if a development comes through for any residential um, proposals, they have an option. They can go to specifically by the clear and objective standards and not go through public review, but they have to comply with it uh, totally. Or if they want more flexibility, the gateway or the riverfront vision plan design standards that allow more flexibility, guidelines versus standards, they can go through that process and go through a public review for that flexibility. So we did write those standards to be in compliance with state regulations. Um, the other issue that came up was with the 30,000 square foot gross maximum floor area, Astoria Warehousing uh, is up for sale right now. It has five acres of land and seven acres of water. And for five acres, if they had a single development go in there at 30,000 square feet, that would be extremely small and would be prohibitive to redevelopment of that site. So um, staff is not making a recommendation one way or the other, but one of the items that you have before you, in addition to the codes that staff is recommending, is a possible Astoria Warehouse District. And what this would be is the, an overlay within the overlay. So the proposal here would be that Astoria Warehousing could come in with a master plan and ask for a plan development. And what would happen is they would show how they wanted to develop that was not in compliance totally with the Bridge Vista requirements. And with that master plan, then they could ask for some exceptions for that overlay area. Therefore, it's not affecting the entire Bridge Vista, it would just affect that area. This is a standard planning tool that is used elsewhere. It's called a planned unit development or planned development. 
where you can come in for some flexibility if you have a master plan. Uh, with that master plan district, they would have to apply for that through the public hearing process and go through uh, planning commission and city council approval. We did this in the Civic Greenway area for the East End Mooring Basins for the court. And as staff, I just took that as a basis and drafted something for your consideration. It is just being presented as a starting point for discussion, not part of the actual document that we are uh, proposing for adoption. So if the Planning Commission determines that that is a good course, then we could add that language into the proposed amendments. You do have additional information in front of you, uh, some testimony that came in today, so uh, you do have some of that. Uh, and with that, um, staff recommends uh, that you recommend adoption of the codes as presented to the City Council. Thank you. Do the commissioners have any questions of staff? Seeing none. I have one quick question. Since you are the applicant, we don't have to go through the applicant's Correct. presentation. And so we will open the public hearing. Public testimony is now open. Is there a presentation by persons in favor of the application? If so, we would ask you to step forward, speak into the microphone, give your name and address, and please observe the three-minute rule. <clears throat> Robert Wilson, 340 Bond Street. I bought that property back in 1977 for the reason, because of the view. I later built a deck on the second level along with a sliding glass door so I can use that view back there for my inspiration. I'm a local artist and um, I plan on spending the rest of my life there. The proposed building site of the Marriott is going to block much of that view from the, the, the Columbia River Bar to uh, Chinook. That whole area right there is going to block out what I've spent so much time and money and inspiration to, to build up. And uh, just the thought of that being lost overnight, it's just a little more than I can deal with. Um, I'm going to spend the rest of my life there, and I just can't do that. Thank you, Mr. Parkland. Would anybody else like to address the Planning Commission to speak in favor of the application? Uh, in favor of the findings and conclusions of staff, or I should say the recommendations of staff. My name's Jan Mitchell. I live at 362 Duane in Astoria, and I even wrote it down so I won't mess up too much. Recently, we were disposing of old papers and checkbooks and noticed that many of the local businesses we use to write checks to are no longer here. Our community changes over time, and what you have in front of you begins to acknowledge and deal with what has changed over time. It is evolutionary, not a revolution. 
The story of 1995 is different from the story of 2005, is different from what it will be in 2020. I've been a professional planning manager. I've served on both the county and city planning commissions. I have a great appreciation for the work done by consultant Johnston. We are very fortunate to have her depth of, depth of history, knowledge, and experience that she and the city manager have tackled so many needed comprehensive plan clarifications and issues within this staff report amazes me, Rosemary. A few of you have expressed concern about the consistency of this proposal with the comprehensive plan. The findings within the staff report give you the underpinning analysis and lay out a path for you. You can follow that path. Out of area attorneys have warned you about the rights of their clients. Some property owners like the Riverfront Vision Plan because it contained no definable standards. The port and some property owners have asked that things remain flexible, in quotes. Such flexibility has meant that one hotel was approved because standards were unclear and therefore unenforceable. You don't repair a new car using old parts. The city attorney has reviewed those findings and has told you that what is being proposed does not constitute a taking unless you are depriving an owner of all economically viable use of private property, it is not a taking, in quotes. Staff has included options where a variance can result in modifications to the standards, for instance, providing workforce housing, along with other alternatives, like the, I think the excellent idea about dealing with the Astoria Warehouse property. Over 400 local people signed a petition asking for protection of our waterfront, and that was done in uh, 10 days when there was snow. And we could gather more if that made a difference. Residents have contributed to those things which make this a good place to live, including those property owners asking that no change be made. So far, deciding for Astoria has also attracted others who want to live and contribute. There can be a middle place between protecting what we all value, our waterfront, and allowing property owners in that area an appropriate use of what they have paid for. But not just anything, or as it was when the zoning code was adopted. I ask that you adopt the changes proposed in your staff report. Thank you, Ms. Mitchell. Rosemary? I'm sorry, Planner Johnson, uh, <laughs> since okay. we don't know how many people are going to speak on either side, can I just open to allow anyone to speak and just make clear how they feel? I believe that's okay. You may do that if you're Great. So we will allow people to speak in whatever order they choose, however they choose to speak, whether you're in favor, impartial, or against. Hello. I'm a newcomer to Astoria. I bought a commercial building, and it doesn't take much. Name, name and address, please. Okay, my name record. and address. I'm Deborah Dunnigan, 1241 Dwayne Street. Thank you. Okay. Um, it doesn't take much, very much to notice, and I hope you all do. That waterfront out there is your best asset. Keeping the heights down is so critical because I've seen many cities that are, that have, I've seen Ford Ord have to take out 
basis, I have seen communities achieve a long-term goal of freeing up this waterfront, and it's not just for damn tourists. It's for us that live here. We don't want to see obstruction. We want to walk that. And you're, I, I don't want to mean to be too fussy, because you're doing a good job. You're repairing those wharves. You're putting money into the infrastructure. But I ask every one of you to guard that waterfront out there. It is your best asset. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. In, in a public hearing of this type, we would ask that you hold your applause. Um, you can do that after the meeting. We do have a very restricted schedule this evening. So next person to speak, please. Yes, Olinx Levy, 509 Kensington Avenue. And uh, I speak to a lot of people every day. I work in the public. Um, this petition that we got, we got in a very small amount of time. If we had had time, we could have had thousands more. I think these business owners are a small percentage of what most people here in Astoria love. And what I cannot understand is people come here because it's not like the rest of America. It all is starting to look the same. They come here because there's something so special here. It's something so personal. And like the woman said, this is our best asset. It's a living museum. It's what people come here for. Why do you have to turn it? Why would you take that? Why would you ruin that? For, I mean, it's, at some point, the dollar isn't, isn't always the answer. Protect what we have here. By God, it's precious. Please, please, thank you. Thank you. Should, should we clarify that we are asking to people to comment about this report uh, and whether the, they agree with the height limitations and the other changes that have been presented within the report? Thank you. Chair Fitzpatrick, Commissioners, my name is Scott McMullen, 864 Irving Avenue, Astoria. Uh, Astoria was built on the fishing industry and marine trade that takes place on the waterfront. The one thing that fishermen need is fish plants, fish processors. If you don't have fish processors, you don't have a fishing industry. And I'm concerned that the amendment proposed would hamper investment in the fishing industry because of the size and scale restrictions the mass and scale and the height restrictions. I've uh, been, been in this town since uh, I came here for college in, in the 1970s. I've seen several fish processor fires, uh, fires on the dock, that happens. And when, when the one happens and it's time to rebuild, we need the ability to allow a fish processor to take that property and, and keep it in the fishing industry. If we don't have processors, we will lose the industry here. The industry isn't dead. If you look in Warrington, uh, Pacific Seafood just spent millions of dollars on a processing plant. So the industry is still quite viable here. Um, one thing that fish plants all need is ice, is an ice house. And an ice house uh, delivers ice from a vertical structure 
by gravity down through a big hose into the hold of boats. You need the first deck available for heisters to take totes in. So you have to have a, a vertical structure. You have to have that height. That's part of what's necessary in a fish processing plant. Uh, so I believe that this amendment uh, would have some unintended consequences that could hamper the fishing industry, and I urge that it be uh, further uh, worked on before adoption. Thank you. Thank you. Elizabeth Menetrae, 3849 Grand Avenue, Astoria. I'm glad the gentleman who just spoke brought this up. Uh, the proposal, I believe, talks about variances specifically for water-dependent, water-related uses, that there will be variances allowed for those uses, just as the gentleman was just speaking about, and that's very important. It's also uh, allowing variances for affordable housing. That's affordable housing, needed housing for the town, and I know that's something that will be brought up by an attorney a little later, but needed housing in Astoria is affordable housing, not luxury housing. Um, I want to thank the commission for all their work. You've done a lot of work over this over the years. Um, looking over the good old comprehensive plan, it says right at the beginning that plans shall be regularly reviewed and if necessary revised to keep them consistent with the changing needs and desires of the public they're designed to serve. So you are in the fortunate situation of being able to look at the code and actually make changes to the code. It is in your power, and it's, you are tasked with that. So thank you very much for that. And I do want to end by repeating what uh, City Attorney Blair Henningsgaard said at the last meeting, that uh, do not anticipate lawsuits during planning. Because your goal, our goal, should be the betterment of Astoria. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Benetre. Would anybody else like to address the Planning Commission this evening? Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Jim Knight. I am the Executive Director of the Port of Astoria. I truly appreciate this opportunity to speak with you on this topic. I'll, I'll pass them down so that you can speak. Thank you, Jim. Of course, I'm concerned about the future development opportunities for on ports property. That's my job. I should be very concerned about anything that impacts the port's ability for public benefit, which, expand, which expands far beyond Astoria throughout our entire county to ensure that the port is a viable operation and creates jobs and opportunities. I'm very concerned about the direction of the restrictive heights and building sizes, but I'm not here to argue or to discourage those things. I'm here to try to open our eyes to the possibility of things that we have not seen before. When I first came to Astoria nearly four and a half years ago, I walked out onto my deck on the third floor of a Pier 1 building I look over this expansive marina in a lot of vacant area and a lot of opportunities that I could see could be very beneficial to our community. 
What I'm proposing this evening is that this, this, this commission pauses for a moment for the following reasons. I do think it's important that the court has an opportunity to create um, a special district, very similar to Astoria Warehousing, but for a very different reason. When I look across my deck into, into these open spaces, I see opportunities for community good, more so than for the development of the property. The port, as an uh, economic engine and a driver for community benefit, we've got to look at things more than just a profit line, more than just the bottom line. We have to look at things for what is the good for community. Of course, I believe that it's important that we have view corridors and open spaces. And if ever there was a place that has that criteria and opportunities, it's right within our central waterfront, which is on the map in front of you. For the audience, what I've outlined for the commission is essentially the property that begins at Portway and goes to the east to the Astoria Megler Bridge and it borders on Marine Drive and it interacts with, um, uh, with the plans for Uniontown. I think that this is a perfect time to reset and look at how does the port engage with Uniontown? How does the port engage with the open spaces? How could we create boardwalks and walking platforms, open space for special events? Uh, how could we create these in the areas that we have? It's, the port is not just about developing businesses. It's about the opportunities to create a beautiful neighborhood for our port. I know it's been said that the gym night, it, all he wants to do is create hotels along the waterfront. I can tell you that's so far from the truth. We have one tenant that hasn't executed on his plan, has been sitting on port property for three years. Mr. Knight? Uh, yes. Would you, are you suggesting that you, the port would like to have a district similar to what has been proposed for Astoria Warehousing? That's it, very, but for different reasons, but yes, that is absolutely true. I would like to engage with our neighbors, with the Uniontown development, to create an area of our community that is conducive to public involvement, public access, views, and entertainment. I have to figure out a way to pay for it. And one of the ways to pay for it is the creation of leases on port property. What I would envision is a district that engages with our neighbors to create a vision for our community of which is open to all, accessible to all, and it really promotes what ports can do. It's an expansive marina. I so what, yes. what we could do is during our commissioner's discussion, we could discuss that, consult with the staff and our attorney, okay. and, and get back to you on that. Thank you very much. Thank you. John Orr, 175 South Place, Astoria. Um, the further I, I, I have dived into uh, this uh, matter before the Planning Commission, uh, the more difficult and complicated it has seemed to me. And so I guess I, at this point, I'm going to say that I like the idea of giving consideration to the port They've had financial difficulties. They can be an economic engine. They're responsive, uh, ideally, theoretically, uh, and aspirationally to the public. And so uh, I, I like the idea 
of trying to strike that balance, which is really what you have to do between economic development and the rights of residents to, to their views and to have, but you know, as I looked into it, the more complicated aspect was if you get 30,000 square feet and you get the Astoria Warehousing District, they'll be blockage of the views. And uh, on my radio show, uh, Planner Johnson says that you'll just, uh, um, for most people in the city, up to Exchange Street, they'll, they will not, I mean, Exchange Street and above, they will not be compromised by views. Their views will not be compromised at the height of 35 feet. So that was one on me. And so, again, that's the balancing between the people that live on the lower elevations who are local versus those have, that live in the upper elevations exchange and up the hill, and then balancing the economic interests of a city that needs a tax base, a port that needs a better tax base to ensure that infrastructure and the needs of the city and its residents in that regard as well are protected as well as river views. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Orr. I note that it's just after 7 o'clock. Uh, do I recess or do I ask? That's your prerogative. Well, I'm asking technically is this a continuance or a recess? Just a recess. Okay. We will recess for five minutes. It is currently 7.02. We will be back at 7.07. Am I signing a lot? Probably. I stressed myself out. Uh, I try to take deep breaths. <clears throat> So yeah, probably. The fair field going in. What's your take on this so far? Yeah. 
drink 32 ounces of water. I should probably go. Uh, yeah. Make sure Sean wakes for you. Oh, well, open back here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, no. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I mean, that's the reason that I got They didn't have time to watch that. They must have just... They have much more loot. I mean, well, we have a lot of just for us, yeah. For us, but also Yeah, you know, we can sneak off one way or the other. And yeah, usually we're we're first. We are back. Due to logistical issues for the record, that was a nine-minute break. It is currently 7-11. We are back to the public hearing, and I would ask that the crowd address the public, or I'm sorry, address the Planning Commission or step outside of the chambers. Who would like to address the Planning Commission next? I'm Bob Levine, P.O. Box 1082, Astoria. My comment is, is in response to what one of the other speakers said regarding that people above exchange would not be impacted. I happen to be one who lives above exchange. And even though the proposed development of the Marriott and stuff is not going to bother me, but I do see a wonderful big box called the Holiday Inn Express. 
and it doesn't block my distant views, but any ship that comes behind the Holiday Inn Express, I can't see, other than the tops of the big car carriers or a big cruise ship if it happens to be going to Portland to be uh, redone. So I think you need to be very concerned about anything that you allow along that riverfront because it will destroy the views and what others have said about protecting the views along that river and the watershed. Thank you. Thank you. Next. For the record, my name is Steve Fick, PO Box 715 Astoria. And I'm a little confused here. First thing, did, did the city respond within seven days on the information brought forth here? About what? Well, on their staff report. I don't understand the question. Well, the staff report after the uh, information brought forward was supposed to be seven days, wasn't it? And did you do it? That's what I was curious. The original staff report was ready seven days prior to the first public hearing. The second one was uh, an addendum to the first. It was an update, and that was not ready seven days prior. Okay. So maybe should we have a continue? I, maybe it's a pretty complex issue for me, so I'd like a continuance if possible on that. Uh, that's for you guys to discuss. So. Um, and I, I have a hard. I'm seriously having a hard time hearing tonight in here. And I, I don't know if you've really addressed. There was a letter in here from uh, Astoria Warehousing, and there were several concerns there and about legality. And I haven't heard any legal opinions from council on that. I, I don't. Is that something that can be addressed so we can see if we're moving along the right way as far as decision making? And I just had a couple other things. Um, I look at the restrictions on this waterfront, and I talked to Rosemary about some. She really doesn't want a plywood plant there, and I, I appreciate that. But it says wood products. Does that mean Danny Supple can't make a rocking chair out of baseball bats down there? You know, there's, it's wood products. You know, define it. If you don't want a plywood plant there on the waterfront, say you don't want a plywood plant. The other thing is, I'm a little concerned. We got these uses, but you don't want like medical. Again, I will say it, you know, Dr. Linusar, for instance, he's right on the water. It's therapeutic, there's another dentist down here. Therapeutic for his patients. Those people make money. They can afford to keep the dock up. They are people that are gonna come and use the restaurants in the wintertime. You can't have 28 restaurants chucker block down there with coffee shops in it and be viable for the guys that are trying to make it today. So I would ask you to consider that. Another thing is the way this is written, and I don't have a plan. I have no specific plans for anything right now other than I'm um, developing my brick building, hopefully to be a successful little business. But why don't I get to have a hotel like the old uh, Astoria or Ocean, I call it the Ocean Beauty plant above Bowie Beer? Why don't I get the same right? if I decided to develop it down the road, or part of it. So these are things that, there's a lot of questions. I just want fairness to it. And the other thing with the hotel thing in the future, if you're, if you're worried about affordable housing, you could have a mitigation plan developed 
for those developments that they provide some housing within a given district uh, distance to it. So thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Fick. Question for staff and the attorney. We've had a request for continuance, and we had a request for continuance at the previous meeting, which we granted. Do we? This is a legislative matter, which means that there is no regulations as concerning making a decision within 120 days. And so it, the commission has the ability to grant continuances if uh, you think additional time is needed to make a recommendation to the planning, to the city council. Are, are we obligated to grant a continuance? Uh, you're not obligated. Okay. So we can, we can discuss continuance during our discussion. Correct. Great, thank you. Is there anybody else who would like to address the Planning Commission this evening? Again, Peggy Mills, 305 Alameda. Um, he just mentioned that it would, be, it, it would affect anybody below West Exchange is that what they is that what you're saying the limitations and so forth the questions would be directed to staff oh, okay because um, okay let me explain what it is is there was part of the riverfront vision plan uh, looked at views of the river from up on the hillside and it was determined that uh, Anything above Exchange Street, 35 feet, you would still have most of the river that you could see. Okay. What the gentleman stated was that the one building, which is at 45 feet, does block the okay. ships as they go by. He still has a view of Washington and the river. And so what the report states is that from above Exchange Street at 35 feet, you would still see most of the river. Okay, good to know. Because again, I live on Alameda Avenue. Um, but I do want to agree with um, the port director. I would like to see the city more involved with the port. Um, where I live, I have a wonderful view. Uh, like I said, I've been there 24 years. So I've experienced a lot through those windows. Um, I'd like to continue seeing those through those windows, seeing what I see. And um, I would like to see it more beautiful than ever. I would really um, urge the commission to uh, contact the port director regarding the strategic plan of 2010, which was never completed. Um, it's very disappointing. And I've made a lot of changes due to that. And I would like to see uh, some I would like to gain property value because what I have been seeing, um, I feel like I'm losing property value every day as I drive through town. So my home's looking pretty good right now, but everything else that's changing has really got me concerned. And I really, really urge you to uh, work with the port on our property to beautify what we have and don't lose sight of the river um, I, I do like Holiday Inn Express. It's a beautiful building. The Cannery Hotel, I watched the roof blow off the first year. Um, it was crazy, but you know what? They're beautiful buildings. They do not affect my view. Um, I wouldn't like to see anything higher. And I would like to add that I would like to see you guys use the pilings that are in the river. Currently, we have people that can 
um, work with them. We've got Ferguson, Wilson. We've got other contractors out there that can make something happen. Sounds like a great idea for the um, ice storage for um, the Astoria warehousing. Um, do it on a piling. Bring a ship. Bring a boat. There's your ice storage. Um, put it out the chute. I, I'm sure there's something you can do. We need to work with what we have. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to? Hi, I totally admire your stalwart courage to deal with this. <laughs> Pamela Mads McDonald, 22 Nimitz, uh, Astoria, Oregon. Because the meetings I have attended on the River Vision Plan have focused on the minutiae of code, I want to step back and scan the big picture. Who are we now? People have a fundamental yearning for great bodies of water, but the movement of people towards it can also destroy these marine resources. Communities want to build near water because it's natural, but the land immediately near the water's edge must be preserved for common use. Please allow dense settlements to come down to the water at infrequent intervals, allowing respites of visual access to the river beyond. I traveled for many years up the Columbia River on Crowley tugboats delivering petroleum products to Portland. Astoria is a lovely assemblage of buildings to view from the water. You have the opportunity to be different than other port cities and to use your creativity. Have you ever considered that your city planning could contribute to mental illness? Malchot height, or wall disease, is a category of psychosis. For over 40 years in Europe, they've been studying the effects of people who live on streets which have a wall at its end, or a building blocking the end of the street. Psychiatric, psychiatric hospital admissions, therapists, and deaths by suicide are showing the association with this type of city planning. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Matson McDonald. My name is Stan Johnson. I live at 92732 Fern Hill Road. And the way this is written, or what I think needs to be changed about it, is that um, we need to have an exemption for fish processing plants. Um, if you look at this waterfront of Astoria, and Astoria is a maritime town, uh, and if you look at all the canneries that used to be here, none of them would qualify underneath these, under, under these new rules. So we have to have a exemption for maritime uh, uses. Um, that would be, you know, almost a total exemption. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Would anybody else like to address the Planning Commission this evening? Uh, good evening, members of the Commission. I'm Phil Grillo here on behalf of Astoria Warehousing. Um, I think you have a copy of my April 9th letter and the attachment to it. So I wanted to uh, come up and certainly give you an opportunity to ask me any questions that you might have about my letter and uh, any of the other related testimony. Um, what I thought I'd do in just uh, a minute or two here quickly is address two issues. One is um, I think uh, staff did a, a good job under the time constraints to try and address some of these issues. Uh, I compliment them on uh, the ability to kind of move forward some of the clear and objective standards. I think that's helpful. 
I'm not sure all of them are clear and objective, but uh, I think it's moving in the right direction. The other thing uh, is uh, on the potential Astoria Warehousing District. I think that's a, a good concept, but I think it's very important to flesh that out before any of these amendments are really moved forward, at least as to height and lot coverage, um, because those are going to be major changes to what's in the code right now. And as you know, uh, our property is for sale, and we hate to be in that kind of middle ground where um, the, the, the district has not been formed yet. We don't know what those regulations are, and now we're in a very constricted situation. The other thing I just want to mention very briefly is the 30,000 square foot limitation. Um, and you may have some questions about this as well, but as I see the changes that are proposed in the new staff report that came out a couple days ago, I'm looking, <coughs> pardon me, at section 14113D on page 18 of the new staff report. It says that the gross floor area of on-land development rather than commercial use in the Bridge Vista overlay zone shall be maximum 30,000 square feet. In my view, that's much, much more restrictive than, than the existing language, which is just uh, says commercial use. I think at the last hearing, uh, in response to my question, staff was indicating that they would interpret commercial use as anything but industrial use. Well, if it's now any on-land development, then that means industrial as well. Um, and it's, it's even worse to have a 30,000 square foot limitation on a huge site like what we have um, that includes not just non-residential but also residential use. Certainly we would be in essence non-conforming and if we were trying to do anything, I don't think we could do it because it would be even more conform, less conforming if we added square footage. So I'm going to stop there. Uh, you may have some questions of me, but I just wanted to bring those two or three points to your attention during my time. Thanks. Great. Thank you, Mr. Grillo. Uh, I would note that we may have some questions for you during our discussion. If we do, we will call you back up for those. And at that point, I would reopen the public hearing so that there would be an opportunity for the public to rebut your statements. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Uh, yeah, Mike Bruin, 562 17th Street. So it sounds like we're going to have a lot of hotels, no matter what size they are. And you guys want to do um, housing and stuff like that along the river, however it ends up being. I would just, a point of frustration for me is that there's still signs on the riverfront there that every time we have a lot of rain, we have raw sewage still pouring into the river. If you're going to have all these hotels and kids and stuff playing around the river, what are we doing to improve our infrastructure? Because we're all still paying a surcharge every pay period on sewer, and we're still dumping raw sewage right into the river where everyone's going to be building a plane. Great. Thank you, Mike. Is there anybody else that would like to address the Planning Commission this evening? Hi, Sarah Jane Barty, 250 11th Street. Um, I would agree with what he just said about our infrastructure um, and specifically the sewage problem. Um, to start with, I'd like to make the point that though um, buildings of a certain height don't necessarily block views of anyone above Exchange Street, depending 
where on the roll of the hill you are. Um, even if a building doesn't block a view, it can still be in your view. And I've been in a lot of homes in Astoria that say the Holiday Inn, for example, doesn't necessarily block their entire view, but you can't miss it. And you have a beautiful view of the river if you do kind of this motion. Um, and specifically with hotels, you have uh, bright lights and things like that. So I feel like it's important to note that though the view isn't blocked, it's still a significant portion. But what I want to say mainly is um, I am in favor of the height limitation being put through without the exemptions of Astoria Warehousing and the port. Um, I feel like down the road, if they want to do something, they could apply for an exemption later. But if we exempt them now in the Bridge Vista overlay, we've got seven acres of Astoria warehousing. I don't know how many acres the port is. There's not much left that we're affecting. Um, as far as the port is concerned, I, I'm happy to hear that Mr. Knight wants to have a more integrative uh, space. Um, if anyone has had the pleasure of ever going to, I've referenced them before, Port Townsend, they have a wonderful port that uh, has very mixed use. They have light industrial, they have coffee shops. It's beautiful, it's a working port without the need for any buildings that exceed two stories. So I'm not really sure if the intentions aren't large hotels, why they would need an exemption. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Barty. Is there anyone else who would like to address the Planning Commission this evening? I want to talk about the port, and I didn't talk about it before. Um, as far as the fishermen, I think you're kind of jumping the gun a little bit because there are state negotiations about giving land and property to Astoria to manage down the river where possibly you could purchase those buildings for transfer development credits to help them do what they want to do upriver as well as your housing for people who need it get these people to the hotel to buy some land down there and build the housing down there. Instead of going up, there are alternatives. And I forgot to bring it up, and I'm sorry to take your time. Thank you. Could we get her name and address again, please? Name and address. Oh, Deborah Dunnigan, 1241 Duane Street. Could, could you please uh, speak into the microphone? The meeting is recorded. Oh, sorry. 1241 Duane Street, Deborah Dunnigan. Anybody else? That? Good evening. Catch your breath. I am Will Johnson, 509 Kensington Avenue. Um, I'm a riverboat captain. I work out there every week. Get to see this town, this beautiful town. I want to keep seeing it really close the way it is now. And I know change. Nothing is permanent except change. That was written a long time ago. I get that. I'm going to ask you to keep things as low as you can keep them. Because the view, excuse me? No, quiet. Oh, something else? <laughs> Sign language? Yeah, I'm trying to get All right. <laughs> keep it as low as you can keep it. 
I like what's been said on some issues about infrastructure. My mantra, my personal mantra is whatever you own, you got to take care of it. So you got to take care of what we have now and fix what we have, however you can do that. That's, that's your job. I can only ask you to do it. And with that infrastructure, of course, is always that little issue that turns into a big one every year is the traffic. And that's, you got to take care of it. Before you bring anything else big into this place, the one gal that said it, you talked about being a gem of a place. It is a gem. It is a gem. It's a beautiful place. And I love to hear from people that go out around the world and see other places that have been screwed up. And we don't want to screw this place up. So thank you for bringing that up right off the bat. That's important to say. So I'm an echo for you. Thank you. So um, that being said, um, if we have more meetings, I will be back to say the same thing, that not only do you get the land side view, but remember the water side view as well. It's just as important. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Is there anyone else that would like to address the Planning Commission this evening? My name is Matt Gillis, 5965 West End Street, Westland, Oregon. I own the building right behind the new Marriott. Um, I my views are getting blocked. I am also a developer. Um, I think the new height restriction of 28 feet is very low. It, it limits the building usage. Um, but at the same time, I believe that they should be limited. I think the 45 feet height is too high. I mean, I have a tall building and it's blocking our third story view for the most part. We're right on Bond Street, right behind it. Um, I would recommend something like 32 feet, but also add something for the floodplain. So like 32 feet from the top of one foot above the 100 year floodplain, because depending on the site, the whatever the grade or the floodplain is higher, measure from there, because it'll really 28 feet. And if you're four feet below the floodplain, now you're at 24 feet of building height. And so if we kind of take that into consideration to where we measure from the one foot above the 100 year floodplain or the grade, um, but I think 32 feet is a good number without variances or with less variances um, because you could squeeze a three-story building there or you could have a really nice high ceiling two-story building so there's a little bit more optionality for anyone who wants to build in those zones. I think 35 is okay because that's like typical residential zones, um, but the variances to 45 and higher, um, I think they should be removed, but I also I love the views. And in, in terms of Astoria warehousing, I think that's an interesting site. I love driving through Astoria where you can see the Maritime Museum, you have the water. Um, and I think for that building, there should be some requirement of like every 200 feet, you have a 25 foot corridor. So as you're driving down Marine Drive, you can see the water, you know, something like that. So there's, you have it kind of separated. Even if there's a little higher height, at least you have a corridor. 20 or 25 feet between the buildings for that big of a site. Thank you. Thank you. Would staff like to comment? Uh, we do have corridors built into the, um, the code already. So there are view corridors at street ends and over water that are not proposed for being changed at this time. So those are already in the code. Thank you. Is there anybody else that would like to address the 
Planning Commission this evening. My name is Ted Thomas. I live at 398 Atlantic Avenue. Um, I'd like the record to be held open for written testimony to the statutory limit. I make that request at this point. In Vancouver, Canada, uh, there's this park called Stanley Park, and adjacent to that is Robson Street. I used to live on that street. Some of the most expensive real estate on earth. Actually, the second most expensive real estate on earth is adjacent to Stanley Park in that area. Likewise, in New York, where I also visited and lived, there's a park called Central Park, and uh, adjacent to that is Fifth Avenue and Park Avenue. Again, some of the most expensive real estate in the world. Uh, given the logic that uh, a little is, is good, more is better, why don't they just drive stakes in Central Park and Stanley Park and parcel it out and, you know, the city can condemn it, city property? Let's sell that off and build uh, high-rise condos throughout there. Well, I'll tell you why. Because if they ever made such a proposal, you'd have rooms full of people saying, what are you doing? That's crazy. This is the most expensive real estate because of the parks, because of the view. Likewise, the way the riverfront is now with, with the, the low you know, development and the low you know, building heights that, that exists, that's why the property values in the adjacent areas are, are, are so high. If that is you know, attacked, if that, if that is you know, parceled out and privatized, you're going to look at um, a situation where real estate values in the adjacent area decline to a greater amount than the increase in value of a few Johnny-come-lately developers buying up our real estate and the waterfront. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Is there anybody else that would like to address the Planning Commission this evening? Good evening. My name is Eric Anderson. I live at 270 West Irving in Astoria. A couple of points. I want to say thank you guys for doing a good job. I do not have a dog in this hunt. I mean, I, I live in Astoria and I overlook the area, but I'm not a developer and I don't live immediately near any of the properties. But I do have a couple of points. Um, as I've traveled around our country, I like places that are charming and I don't like, in Seaside, they have a big condo at the end of the prom. I mean, it is big, it's big and it's tall. And I don't like that. But you can build high density things that are charming. It takes a little bit more money, but they look nice. They're not tall, but they can be high density. Again, I do not have a dog in this hunt, but on this, um, Astoria Warehousing District. If that's one of the big parcels that we have on the waterfront, as long as it is low altitude, I'm flexible on it being high density as long as it's charming. So that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. Is there anybody else that would like to address the Planning Commission? <coughs> Lurie Johnson, 1193 Harrison Avenue, Astoria. I had not planned to speak tonight, so I don't have any notes. Um, 
but I am concerned about destroying what we all love. If, if we're residents of Astoria, we're paying property taxes, we plan to stay here, as my husband and I do, we have no plans to go somewhere else. Um, a few years ago, we had the chance to go visit his aunt and my niece in North Carolina. And his aunt said, well, I want to take you down to uh, Myrtle Beach. So we went down to Myrtle Beach. I don't know whether any of you have been to Myrtle Beach, but um, we literally couldn't find a place to actually look at the ocean. It's right on the ocean. There were little view quarters, and you're driving down. There's no place to park. So you have to look real quick in between the hotels and the condos and the, all the building. Um, you know, it was horrible. It was noisy. There was traffic. And I would just hate to see that kind of overdevelopment happen in Astoria, because I can't tell you how many people tell me they love to come here because of the small town feel, the access to the river, the views from everywhere, and it does seem to me like we would be killing the goose that laid the golden egg. Once you've got a structure built, you can't unbuild it in 10 years and say, you know, that was a mistake. We shouldn't have built that there. We should have left it the way it is. And it's not so much that um, you want to live in the past, but just like the fishing industry, things are changing all over and, and what the needs are for future generations. You know, in 50 years, we're 100 or whatever, a lot of us will be gone. And so all of this talk about this won't really matter because you've got new people coming in, young people that are not going to know what they missed. So if it's, if it's all built up, they're just going to, they're not going to realize what we see when we look out at that river. And so, again, I would just ask you, as many people have said here, to slow down and try to um, allow us to have the view that we treasure, and um, especially for those of us that live here. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. Hi, I'm Mike Sensenbach. I'm at 110 Kensington. Um, I just wanted to thank Rosemary for her good work on um, this proposal. Um, I think that we've, I think that it accurately reflects what you guys have said that you wanted to see. I think it accurately reflects what City Council wanted to see. So I think it's time to approve um, this proposal this evening. Um, I don't think that we need to cut out pieces for the port or a story of warehousing because then we're really only left with the part that's been approved for the Fairfield already. That's the rest of the Bridge Vista overlay. So um, you guys have spent a lot of time on this. City Council's spent a lot of time on it. The, uh, um, the Fairfield proposal um, and I mean, I would like to see it get get approved all the way through. So then, next time something gets proposed, we don't have people, you know, pointing towards loopholes that this proposal aims to close. So, um, I I think that some people have said that you know we are not going to all be here that you know forever. Um, but I, I have a five-year-old son. I know that other people here have 
kids. Like, I don't want my son to turn to me like 50 years from now and be like, and ask me what I was thinking by moving to this town. I, I, I want him to know. So, um, again, thank you guys for your work. Thank you, Rosemary and city council and any city, former city council members that are here this evening. Um, so, yeah, thank you, and I'd like to see it approved this evening. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Sensabaugh. Would anybody else like to address the Planning Commission this evening? Okay. Looks like we are through with public comment. Okay, um, I do have a couple of items to re not rebut, but to clarify, if please. I could. Thank you, Rosemary. Uh, this is still during the public hearing to just clarify some issues. Okay, this would still be during the public portion. Um, we had the public mention a couple of things, and um, one of the things is this is Bridge Vista area that we're talking about. Urban core, that code amendment is still in the process of being developed and will be coming before you at a future date. Urban core is 2nd Street to 16th, so what we are discussing tonight would not impact that area. This is strictly the Bridge Vista. Um, one of the comments was also that the, the planned uh, district would allow exemptions now, and that's not true. What it does is it allows them to come in with a master plan in the future, and that master plan would have to be approved by the city council, and at that time, what exemptions they would be allowed would be determined. It's not a determining any specific exemptions at this point. Uh, so if you went with the Astoria Warehouse District, all it's saying is that they could come in in the future and make a proposal. The other thing is uh, the port has requested a similar issue and staff did draft uh, a plan district for the port uh, area if you so desire to go that route. So here are copies that you could look at if you want to go that route. Uh, the other question I would have is for the city attorney on the question of the seven-day record open. Okay, so so this hearing would not be subject to a keeping the record open for seven days as was requested. Okay. Thank you. So we will close the public hearing, and we will now discuss the issue. And we have... <coughs> A few issues in front of us. Um, we have the application, and we have had a couple of requests. Um, I think I'd like to go over the requests first so that we can get those out of the way um, and then go back to address the application. One of those uh, requests was for a continuance. Another was for um, for the special district for the port, and of course we have the uh, the question of the special district for the Astoria warehousing portion. Um, I think it's important to continue the discussion tonight, but 
do any of the planning commissioners feel that it would be appropriate to have a continuance on this and discuss the the application further at another meeting? Um, I feel like it's possible that our discussion will lead us to the point that we don't feel like we can decide everything tonight. I am not ready to say whether I think we need a continuance or not, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we wanted to go that way. Thank you, Commissioner Cameron Laddick. I, I would agree with that. I'll agree with that as well. I have uh, uh, quite a few issues with the application, and I think discussion could very well lead to uh, a continuance and maybe even more work. So you would also be open to that? <laughs> I'm definitely open to it. Uh, it would be great if we could come to a conclusion tonight to get some of these code amendments in, but um, I think there's some, some big hurdles ahead of us. Commissioner Henry? Well, having missed the meeting last month, um, I've been, I've had a lot to catch up on. Um, I'm probably going to have more questions and more discussion, need for discussion than some of the other commissioners. So I would be leaning toward favoring continuing the discussion if necessary. Okay. Would any of the other commissioners agree, disagree? I would agree that there's a lot of uh, minutiae here that we need to go through tonight and it's possible that we would be doing a continuance. Thank you, Mr. Romick. Maybe. Commissioner Price? Sure, maybe. I'm open to that as well. Okay, great. So we are open to the possibility of a continuance. Um, the port has asked for um, a special district, and I would not be opposed to considering that. Um, I would have liked it in a more timely manner, but uh, it has been put in front of us, and they do have... Um, standing to ask and a, a good reason to do so. Um, would any of the other commissioners be willing to consider a special district for the port? Well, uh, and it, um, President Fitzpatrick, in my uh, thoughts pre-meeting, I, uh, I mean, I have a, some suggestions that I hope that we can consider and, and some other remarks. Um, I hadn't thought about uh, plan development. I didn't know that term, but I do now, or a master plan for the port. I had considered and thought that in the um, suggestions that I would make that there actually need to be three areas that uh, could be possibly exempted in some way. And one is not all of the port property, but that piece of property that is east of the Bridgewater uh, but also, um, and the Astoria warehousing area, and, but also the state building, which we've uh, heard previously has an interest uh, in the perhaps near future of expanding, which would put them beyond 30,000 square feet. And I would be in favor of their expanding towards Marine Drive, uh, particularly if it's in a manner that uh, disguises the facade that currently exists and makes it more appropriate uh, to the community. So, so I would uh, be interested in thinking about how we could possibly exempt those three areas and yet keep some restrictions on them so that they are not just whatever they want to be. Thank you. I'll 
If I could just interject there, the uh, state office building is in the urban core, so it is not part of what we're dealing with tonight. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. I had a lapse there myself, and I was thinking, isn't that east of right. east of Second Street? So, okay, which I can't remember. So, um, would anyone else be willing to consider a special district for the port? And again, this is not to make any decisions about what would be in that special district, but just allowing them the opportunity. Mr. President, uh, uh, future issues that I will bring up with this application uh, may address this in more detail. I'm, I'm somewhat against creating sub-areas for warehousing and for the port. I think we have an opportunity to implement a vision for the entire Bridge Vista area, and uh, hopefully that vision was, was designed in an appropriate fashion that we can just get it done. Um, or get it amended anyway, and that uh, some of what I will propose or discuss later would address some of the issues that these sub-areas are being created to uh, avoid. So um, with that discussion upcoming, I would currently be against the uh, uh, creating sub-areas but as we discuss those later, then my opinion on that might change. We'll see how that goes. Thank you, Mr. Moore. Commissioner Cameron Laddick. Um, I'm also I'm curious now to hear what um, Commissioner Moore has to say later, but um, just my first response is that I think that <clears throat> these special districts for both the port and the Astoria warehousing um, um, property seem like useful tools to kind of deal with some particular situations. So I would be in favor of talking about them. Thank you. Commissioner Henry. I'm open to talking about them. <laughs> Commissioner Corcoran. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly open to talking about them and having a lot of conversation, having come in, done a lot of homework on a particular packet of materials and then now being entertaining kind of you know, <clears throat> concepts. Um, so I, we do need to talk about these, and I'm glad to. Thank you. Commissioner Womack. I, I, I think that these could be very useful tools uh, in, in during the conversation moving forward. Um, I have some other further questions on this. But anyone care to add or? Well, I, I think that it's appropriate to, to have a um, district, of, or at least carve out a district for the port, at least on a portion of the property. Um, I would again suggest that we get this, that we get information from the port sooner rather than later so that we can make better uh, decisions and have better information. We have not had the opportunity to read the staff's report. Uh, I, I commend uh, Planner Johnson, I was going to tease her about having whipped this out in the 10 minutes that we took our break, but in reality, she anticipated that this might be requested, and I, I uh, give her kudos for, for having done that. Um, and then lastly being the uh, Astoria Warehousing, uh, is there anyone that would not be in favor of 
uh, district for the estuary warehousing. Again, comments that we'll discuss later would, would, could potentially impact a need for a uh, special district for both the Astoria warehousing and for the port. I hope, I hope my comments okay. will be useful. Do, do any of the commissioners have questions for the attorney representing Astoria warehousing? Oh, okay, great. Okay, so, so it appears that we are in agreement on special districts and the possibility of a continuance. Should we go ahead? Okay, one of the things that we, uh, city attorney and I have been discussing, you could determine that the rest of the code amendments could proceed and the concept of the two districts could be continued so that part of the, uh, the amendment, everything else could proceed to the planning, to the city council and give you more time if you needed to discuss those two plan districts. So that is something that you could do is break it out into uh, separate documents. So would, would that require a motion to? Right, when you uh, do your motion, you could state that uh, you want to proceed with everything else and that those two would be the only issues that would be continued for additional discussion at a later meeting. If you so desire, that is a possibility. Okay. So I would look for a motion stating that we would discuss the possibility of the two special districts at a later date. Continued to the next meeting. Continued to the next meeting. And do we have a date for that meeting? May 7th. Well, are you meeting May 7th? Or would you continue it to the next regular meeting? Uh, Urban Corps will not be on that, so probably going to the regular meeting on May 28th would be better. So that's up to the commission. You could determine to do it on May 7th, which is a special meeting that you're holding, or May 28th, which is your next regular meeting. So the May 27th, or I'm sorry, the May 7th meeting, we have one item on the agenda? That's two a, items. Two items? And is one of those traffic safety or... Okay. So it could go either meeting. So in the motion. Mr. President, could we have some discussion on the, on the application prior to continuing the potential uh, districts so that we could talk about the need for them as a function of having that discussion? I suppose we could, yes. Thank that you. That would be great. That would be, yeah. Thank you. And then later, if we determine that we want to continue that, we have that option. Okay. So let's discuss the application in, in general. And who would like to start that discussion? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Um, first of all, I wanna thank uh, Planner Johnson again. And, and uh, I think that she, I believe that she very clearly laid out in her findings that we're on solid ground to accept 
the amendment as it has been written here. Uh, she's used, uh, there are 23 pages, I think, go using uh, the comprehensive plan, uh, Oregon uh, administrative statutes and, and ORS uh, to, to put us on solid ground if we wanted to go ahead with this as it is written now. Um, when the 28-foot um, height limitation was proposed at council, and uh, it was, it was um, af after council was talking about 35 feet, which we had discussed previously here, um, and it was uh, said that the 35 feet was still biting at the ankles of the problem uh, or the issue. And um, I'm so, sorry, Commissioner Price, if you could repeat that last sentence, I did not hear you. Sorry, it was, um, I'll bring the microphone closer. Does that help? Okay. Uh, so the counselor introduced the 28 feet at, by saying that 35 feet height was just biting at the ankles of the problem. And so, um, so that's where the 28 feet came from. And I think really, uh, this amendment is still biting at the ankles, and everyone, I think, should understand that because really what most people are saying, most of the community is really saying that uh, they would prefer no new development, only the repurposing of existing development, um, because that is what would keep what we have now. So we're, we're compromising that by going to 28 feet. And um, realistically, while I prefer lower or no, uh, I think that I have to admit that the difference to me between 28 feet and 35 feet, that's seven feet up high, and I am not gonna notice it. So I'm not sure that we need to be quibbling about that. Um, what I would like to talk about are a couple of issues that, um, that I would like us to reconsider. And one is um, in the standards for overwater development. Um, again, as I've said be before, I, don't, I believe there should be no new overwater development above bank height unless it is actually water dependent use, in which case the height should be limited to 28 feet, and the maximum floor area, there should be a maximum floor area, which is not given in this amendment, and that it should be at least the same as the shoreland development maximum floor area. And as for um, the standards for on-land development, I believe we're making a big mistake by lowering buildings to 28 feet while keeping the 30,000 square foot um, size of a project, because then we're creating exactly what we do not want, which is a wall of buildings, low flat buildings along the river walk, or the riverfront or marine drive. So, and, and this becomes a particular problem if we are saying that we don't want to include uh, garages in this. So now we have buildings of some unknown area, perhaps 40,000 square feet. I really don't know how much square footage a you know, 50 parking spaces would take up. So I think that we are really uh, not doing the community or, or ourselves a favor by continuing uh, that way. 
So I, I do think that we can um, meet both the economic and the um, river access objectives of the comprehensive plan by restricting overwater development and by reducing the overall size of a project. It's never been clear to me why um, in reducing heights uh, from a maximum of 45 feet actually given variances while still maintaining the 30,000 square foot uh, maximum size of a project. We can't just, if we're going down to 35 or 28 or zero, just proportionally take that amount and make that the largest size of a, of a building. So those are two uh, big issues I see here. Otherwise, I think we're in good shape. I don't see that um, uh, there's any interest in this commission for uh, making it simple and just restricting all development to repurposing, which would make life easy and uh, only take uh, takings actually from the port, in which case you could exempt um, that one area where nothing has been built yet. So those are my two um, concerns about the amendment. Thank you, Commissioner Price. Would anyone else? Sure, I'd love to uh, piggyback on Commissioner Price's comments. Uh, and she touched uh, on what I alluded to earlier. Uh, I think lowering building heights will lead to wider buildings. And when you're driving down Commercial Street in the Bridge Vista, a wider building is going to block more view than a narrow building. The Riverfront Vision Plan was forward-looking and asking for narrower, taller structures because it opens more views of the river from uh, ground level. Uh, in the Bridge Vista area, the hillside goes up pretty fast, so a 35-foot building does not block uh, a lot of views. They're far away. It may block the shore a little bit. Um, what I would propose, and rather than a fixed floor size, uh, is uh, either greater setbacks to allow more visibility from through through the buildings to the river, or as we do over the water, as the Bridge Vista does over the water, currently limit development widths. Uh, currently over the water, you can only do 60% of the parcel width, and that would leave 40% undeveloped for a view to the river. For the warehousing, um, Astoria warehousing or for the larger parcels. Uh, one, of the, one of the parcels on the uh, Astoria warehousing is, I think, 300 feet by 200 feet. You can, we could create a maximum building width. So rather than say 60% of the parcel, we could say that no structure could be more than 90 feet wide on a measure of an east-west with 40 feet between buildings. That would allow the warehousing site that would allow all sites along in Bridge Vista an opportunity for like a campus style of buildings that are narrow on a perspective from the road toward the river. They could be long, 200 feet long, so you're still getting a lot of building, but you're not getting a long Holiday Inn building and you're not getting a long Fairfield building, each of which are 200 feet long that block a long portion of the river. And the, one of the larger warehousing buildings, for example, is 200 feet long. 
that's a big building and it blocks a lot of the river. A narrow, a building with a narrow profile facing the street would give more opportunity to see the river and not restrict development and economic uh, opportunities for, for the property owners. So as Commissioner Price was saying, I'm, I don't see any, any value in lowering the heights from the current standards of 35 plus variance, but I would like to see uh, narrower buildings. And with a narrower building, the large site like Astoria Warehousing wouldn't need a special plan. There could still build four buildings on there because it's 800 feet long. Commissioner Moore, could you just repeat the uh, percentages you, you were talking about for the buildings? Sure, the, currently in the overwater, we have a limit of 60%. Is that, that's correct, I believe it? so. So if we did something over land of the, of the same, where the parcel, of, uh, development on a parcel is limited to the smaller of 90 feet or 60% of the parcel width then a large parcel like one of the parcels that are within the Astoria warehousing could still have several structures on it, but they won't be 300 feet long like they currently are in blocking all of the view. Thank you. So other than building massing of the 30,000 square foot limit, which I don't like, and the height restrictions, I don't really have a lot of problem with the remainder of the application, I think those code updates are, are important and necessary. Uh, if, if we could separate, if we need more discussion on the heights and perhaps more time to create uh, something like, if we wanted to move forward on something like the restricting building widths to address viewability, then perhaps we could pull out those two parts of the application maybe have a work session or talk about it more, however that works out, um, but move forward with the other parts of the code updates, which are important to address errors and problems with the code. Those are my comments for now. Thank you, Mr. Moore. Is there anybody else that would like to comment? Commissioner Cameron Laddick, are you? I'm just kind of pro I'm processing what Commissioner Moore has presented to us. Um, so you said the smaller of 90 feet wide in the, the section of the building that's oriented toward the road? Right, I mean, whatever we come up with as a reasonable width. Uh, so that if we look at the Astoria Warehousing buildings, there's four structures. The big long one, I think, is 300 feet long, and then there's the smaller one is 100 feet long. So that would be going from west to east. The second warehouse building is 100 feet long. Mm -hmm. So if you can put that in your perspective, if we limit buildings to 90 or 100 feet, then there would be a stretch where there wouldn't be buildings and you could see through to the water. And how and would it, that be able to give them four on there if we're only talking about one 90-foot building per parcel? Is that not So if 60% of the parcel is, they would get 60% of parcel coverage mm -hmm. And so I could, they could have multiple structures of 90 feet okay. on a large parcel, as long as that doesn't go over 60 feet, or 60%. 60%. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think I understand that. You're talking about a maximum of 90 feet 
east to west. Correct. Yeah. Okay, just clarifying. And I think those parcels are 200 feet deep, so that'd be a or 90 or 100 by 200 foot building that could be constructed, which is a substantial building. So you wouldn't see a, a maximum north-south requirement? Pardon me? You're, you're saying the calculation of 60% would be 60% of the width? Of the east-west the east -west width along uh, Marine Drive. Commissioner Corcoran, would you like to weigh in? Sure, I, I really concur with uh, Commissioner Moore on the remaining items uh, being very fine. We've worked those over before. These two issues of height and mass of the building are the two obviously outstanding and important issues. Um, The fundamental interest is to maintain the relationship intimate and visual with the river. That's what the value is for the river, without question. Um, the proposal was to have a flat 28-foot kind of line. What we're finding is kind of a careful what you ask for because there may be unintended consequences. So what I'm hearing is the commission is struggling with coming up with ways to um, meet the vision of the bridge vista overlay in more creative and flexible ways that maintain that vis visual connection in ways that allow more flexibility in a way that maintains that connection. I think uh, that's poetically where we're going and I like that. So uh, number one, I like separating out these two issues from the rest of them. There was a lot of work on that and, and those should go forward. Um, this is a big conversation about what we've opened up tonight, and I'm not sure that we can conclude how to identify the creative ways to maintain the visible, visual access to the river. Um, and so that's where my thinking is right now. I'm looking for ways to maintain the value of the river access and intimacy through the most flexible and creative way for people. Um, and I also I really appreciated in thinking about this a lot the value of our local commercial enterprises, the family-owned and indigenous businesses and firms in this overlay zone as well as the others, and how sometimes you know, we get wrapped up in vicious um, external developers with cookie-cutter motels, and we, hmm, I invite us not to forget the indigenous people that are also contributing to the ecosystem of our, of our city. Just think how much your taxes would be if it wasn't for commercial and business interests you know, paying their taxes in there. So, um, I'm willing to work harder on creative ways to maintain those values. I'm not sure in the process of this evening um, if we're going to have enough time to do that. But if I stop talking, we may have some. Commissioner Henry, uh, thank you, Commissioner Corcoran. Commissioner Henry, did you want to? Uh, yeah, so um, a few points that I will just mention. Um, I do think that the uh, story warehousing site presents a, a unique challenge and uh, the idea to allow for a, a district which could apply for a master planning um, type of application would would be a good idea because the because of the limitations of the 30,000 square feet on such a large site you know if you add up all the buildings to a maximum of 30,000 square feet, you're left with a lot of empty space. So um, I think it's only fair and reasonable to really carefully consider that request. I like the idea of considering that site as its own district because 
Um, and then you don't have to apply standards that fit that site to the whole bridge vista overlay because as Mr. Corcoran, Commissioner Corcoran pointed out, you know, you can kind of have unintended consequences for weaving in so much flexibility or so many specifics. Um, and I don't know that we have the capacity to consider every potential ramification of making decisions applying the whole bridge vista overlay zone that also kind of fit the Astoria warehousing site. Um, so on that note, I do believe that we should consider that as a separate topic and I would be definitely leaning toward um, a district for that for that site. So um, in addition, um, I think that I'd like to address some of the public testimony tonight. Um, I came up with a list of benefits um, of the reduction in height and mass. Um, one is there's less burden on traffic and parking due to density. So um, reducing height and mass reduces density. And not only does that allow for um, helping to mitigate the problem, potential problem we have with traffic and parking, or some people would say the current problem we have, but also um, restoring the character of the, or, or preserving the character of the town. Um, you know, preserving the, the views, which are an asset and an important component of property values. Um, and, you know, the only problem is what Commissioner Moore mentioned, where, uh, where you, limit height, you limit heights, but you still allow the 30,000 square foot floor area, you do end up with these potentially wide and long buildings. Fortunately, we have, you know, we have required setbacks so we have at least these view corridors that are laid out preserved, but you know, is that enough? Um, I think that, that you know, we need to discuss the port issue some more. That's something that I feel like I would need more time to think about. Um, I'd, like, I'd like it if I could ask a question of staff. Um, the, could you please repeat what the exemptions are for water-dependent uses? I was listening so much to this, um, to this conversation today that I was having a hard time finding that in the packet and reminding myself of um, what that was. Okay, what we had talked about was that you could have in here an exemption if you limit the height to 28 feet. Anyone could come in for a variance to 35 feet and what the discussion was is to make it an automatic exemption without a variance to 35 feet for housing that is affordable or water-dependent uses automatically to 35 feet. So the water-dependent use over the water would allow the ice house or whatever is necessary for fish processing but would not allow other types of buildings to automatic. They would have to go through the variance process. Right. So okay. that's what we had discussed. Thank you. That's what I thought you said, but I wanted to make sure. Um, I'm in favor for, for those two proposals. Based on the public testimony I read from the last meeting, which I missed, the public testimony today and the public testimony that came in for the meeting today, and um, I think it also helps keep any of these new limitations in line with the Riverfront Vision Plan and with the um, 
the city goals as a, as a whole. So I think that's actually really important. I, I know that some people might say that 35 feet is still too low, but I would tend to disagree with that um, being The only thing I would say is if um, if if they are automatically 35 feet, they're still within that 30,000 square foot overall square footage limitation, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. I still would be leaning toward that being a reasonable allowance, given how strongly some most people feel about preserving views, and I, I think it's fair. Um, I did want to also ask about the. Um, the fish processing and the ice, was it called an ice tower, ice house? Ice house. Ice house. Um, and this, I know this isn't a question that staff can answer, but I realize that this is kind of an outstanding issue in my mind is, are we prohibiting the possibility that one of these structures could be built? I don't know if all of these structures have to be gravity driven and have to be a certain height or if there are other designs, but um, I don't know if we need to discuss that a little bit more or ask questions of, you know, expert witnesses or something. Um, so um, one more question for staff is something that one of the people brought up in public testimony, the height of buildings, where is that measured from? I've seen it in the code, but I can't remember. Okay, we measure from five feet out from the foundation or any portion of the structure at the lowest point, <coughs> excuse me, to the highest point of a flat roof or the midpoint of a pitched roof between the eave and the ridge. <coughs> so okay. a, a pitched roof building would, the ridge would be taller because you're only measuring to the midpoint. Right, okay. And it doesn't take into account the floodplain <coughs> or the ordinary high water or no any of those environmental lines. Okay. Thank you. That's all I have for now. May, may I, I just thank you, Commissioner thank Henry, Councillor or Commissioner Price? I, I anticipated that you might want to. No, comment. I just I just wanted to uh, clarify. Uh, I'm not sure if it was your question or your answer, but I think um, you were talk. Uh, Commissioner Henry was talking about um, height limitations and gross floor area over water, and and that uh, your question was. Um, that there would still be the 30,000 square foot limitation on overwater development. And on land. And on land, overwater. But uh, I, uh, the, um, what the amendment currently says is that structures within the overwater development non-limitation areas, which is basically what we're talking about, there shall be no maximum gross floor area for buildings located in those areas and that was one of my first comments was that we that that uh, there needs to be a maximum i think for overwater development as well as on shoreline it's on page 16. um you're correct that uh, at the top correct that does i i forgot about that the overwater is limited by the width and the percentage rather than the gross square footage i forgot about that sorry Thank you. 
Thank you, Commissioner Price. Anyone else that would like to add to their comments or respond to comments? I have some input uh, and questions uh, concerning Commissioner Moore's recommendation, um, if I may. Mr. Womack, did, if I didn't call on you earlier, I apologize. No, that's fine. Okay. Uh, uh, Commissioner Moore, are you recommending, uh, based on this, this percentage that we would still uh, have the step backs and setbacks requirements? That would be something that we'd, we would have a discussion about on how the setbacks apply with, uh, with limits, with uh, width limits. I would assume that any current step setbacks would still be necessary and that they would probably, we, we could see where we went with that, whether or not they would apply toward the not developed part or the developed percentage. Well, I, 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 I really concur with uh, Commissioner Price on the height difference between a 28 and a 35 foot uh, difference, especially if you don't have a, the step back, that there's not really an appreciable difference from the visual standpoint, either up the hill or even, even, even down on the, from the pedestrian view. Uh, and I, I really have the same concern that Commissioner Moore has of creating these whales that are really large, long buildings um, that don't really speak yeah, to the visualization, what everyone here is really speaking of is they want to be able to see the river. And I think we should potentially look at more of a creative way to do that than what this we currently have. Commissioner Cameron Laddock. I can just add that I had the same um, concern initially that in um, the, I believe in the vision plan in the revision plan for the bridge vista overlay they specifically talk about making some you know trade-offs for of, of allowing more height um, to have a smaller footprint so we can maintain these views and i have this concern um, i have this concern also and i'm glad to hear some new suggestions to how to address it thank you commissioner cameron and, I, and i would be curious to hear from staff if we have a tool to kind of separate out some of these issues like we it seems like we would like to to move ahead on the um, amendments that we all seem to be comfortable with on the same page about at least give um, you know the design review committee and the historical landmarks commission a couple better tools to kind of do work that comes their way i understand that we're all concerned about the amount of time that this will take because we don't want another project coming in kind of before the zoning's ready but it's also we're not doing ourselves any favors if we rush it and it's really been you know, presented to us quickly, but not, as someone else has pointed out, these aren't all quick fi fix issues. So I um, would like to hear, yeah, kind of what are our options as far as breaking apart some of these amendments? Okay, uh, if you consider the height and the square footage to be the two critical issues that everyone seems to be talking about, there are just five sections out of 48 pages of code amendments that we could pull out of this uh, proposal and continue to the next meeting to discuss more. And the other issues would not be related to height or square footage or massing. Uh, they would all deal with design or de the, the definitions or the design review committee, all those other uh, interpretations or housekeeping type things that would clarify things. The ones that specifically address the height and square footage, I've 
got them listed here. They're on pages 15, 16, 17, and 18. And we could theoretically pull them out of this uh, proposed amendment and have nothing going forward that addresses height or square footage for more discussion at the next meeting. Straw Paul, who would agree with that? <laughs> I agree with I'm that. sorry, of the, of the planning commissioners <laughs> who, would, who would agree to move forward. I would agree. Yeah. I concur. Okay. Okay, so for the record, on page 15, section 14.100.C.2. Point 3.2? 100C2. Page 16, item 14.113.A. And on page 16, item 14.100.D2, page 17, item 14.113.C2, and page 18, section 14.113.D. These all deal with height, square footage, and exceptions for step back height for the Bridge Vista area. Excuse me, Planner Johnson, did you say on page 16, section 14.113A? Correct, well? because yeah. that all is... Of, all of those pages, basically, right. huh? Yeah. And then if, um, yes. Okay, thank you. President Fitzpatrick, I would, like to, I would like to tease Commissioner Moore out a little bit more on his proposal, if that's appropriate. So, yes. What, what I think we will do is, since it is 8.30, we will take another uh, recess. This time it'll be a little shorter. Um, we will take a recess, come back. I would love to have both further discussion and a vote on moving forward with the portions that we are pulling out this evening. So I'm going to take a recess. Again, it's 8.30. We'll be back in five minutes. I really don't see the difference. Yeah. Oh. 
that way, Jim.
Okay, it's 8.35. Oh, thank you. Welcome back. It's 8.35. And when we left, Commissioner Price had asked for an opportunity to address some items and I will ask her to do that. Thank you. Commissioner Moore, um, so your proposal is um, the smaller of 90 feet wide for a building, uh, that's, that's east-west. I don't know if, there, if you had any idea of a maximum for north-south, but 90 feet wide east-west or 60% of the property, the smaller of. The width, right? Width-wise, yeah. So, um, two questions. On uh, the Estuary Warehousing area, how would that apply? The same buildings could only, well, I mean, it's there. So, how would you, if, let's say that that property was raised, would that still be 60% of the property, 90-foot 90, 90 so buildings with 40 feet in between? So, there's multiple parcels there that are all part of the, the whole development. What, what I would want to see is that no structure exceeds whatever width limit we apply. And then the sum of those structures can't exceed 60% of, of the total, uh, you know, the sum of all the parcel widths. Okay, and then my other question was, I believe you said you were not in favor of any um, square foot maximums, Correct. or which, and I think also height limits. So you could have, are you saying that you could have a 90 foot building that could go up? You know, I'm, I'm fine with the current height limits, which, you know, are currently feet. applied to 35 plus a variance for if you, if you step back. Yeah, okay. So, that would well, and, and really I'd be fine with 35 okay no variance to with this because I, I don't like step back buildings anyway so <laughs> 35 with no step backs right 35 with no step backs okay thank you I just wanted to be clear on that I think sure. it's a I have to I have to think about it a little more and I hope that we'll have that opportunity but I, I think that that might be reasonable I'm just don't know right now any other questions for, or comments from commissioners? I actually had a question for staff. Commissioner Cameron Laddick. Thank you. I had a, a question for staff. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, as we're thinking about this, um, this proposal that, that Commissioner Moore has made, which I think can be useful, um, it seems like we still are always kind of coming back to the question of what, what I think we all don't want to see is a bunch of big hotels. Um, is there a way, is there a reason that we're not talking about uses right now? Um, if that's what, you know, people seem to be kind of on the same page about and most concerned about. Um, I know that that's, that seems to be not what city council has asked us to do this time, but can you say anything about that? Okay, <clears throat> the original intent of this amendment was to fix the issues that were ambiguous in the code. The city council then threw out the idea of also reducing the height because they felt as though when the hotel came through, it was too tall for what they envisioned. Um, so that 
made it a little more complicated than the original direction, which was to clean up code language, to start discussing uh, changes in the uses is a bigger discussion, and we were trying to keep this smaller, and so that could be part of the larger discussion that you could do with the continued hearing and make a recommendation to city council as to what, if, if you think uses should be changed. But as we discussed earlier, if we could get the approval for the original intent of the amendment, get those through, and then continue the hearing to discuss these items further. So the uses do impact, but you could have, what, what's in that building doesn't change the visual impact. What changes is what buildings are realistically gonna be built. And that could be the use issue. Uh, you probably are not going to see workforce housing built on the waterfront, you know, or over water because of the costs. So that would be a bigger discussion to dis as to what uses you want to see. We were not proposing any changes in uses at this time. Okay, and Planner Johnson, you had made a suggestion earlier and, uh, regarding separating the height uh, mass uh, scale out of the rest of this, Correct. your proposed amendments. Um, I think it would be a good idea to to move forward with that. I, it appears that the rest of the planning commission is ready to vote on all items other than the height scale mass and the uh, the two special districts. Right. So what we would need is a motion to uh, recommend approval of the document excluding the sections I noted earlier and the Astoria warehousing and port district concepts. And then you could continue those items for additional discussion at your next regularly scheduled meeting in May without giving staff direction as to exactly what you want there. So you would have more time to discuss that at the next meeting as we still have two more public hearings uh, to go over yet tonight. And that way we give you more time to think through what you would like to see and at the May 28th meeting be able to discuss it more in depth and give staff a true direction as which way you want the code to be written. Because I think we're still hearing so many different uh, things right now. I don't have clear direction which way to go. So I think even just continuing the hearing right now uh, to the May 28th to discuss it more and then at that point give staff direction what to prepare for the June meeting. So thank you, Planner Johnson. So would someone like to make the motion to approve, well, would someone like to make a motion that, that may approve the, uh, the recommendations in the report and Excluding the exclude. sections I noted and the two planned districts. Mr. President, I'm happy to do that. Can I clarify or, or uh, ensure that I have the sections correct? Could you read them back to me real quick? Okay. Page 15, 
14.100.C2, that's the height in the BVO. Page 16, number 14.113A, that's also height in the BVO. Page 16, item 14.100D2, that's the over water square footage because it says no maximum square footage. Page 17, section 14.113C2, that's the step back for height, which specifically says a height. Page 18, section 14.113D, which is the square footage or the maximum gross 30,000 in the Bridge Vista area. So it takes care of the, the height, the square footage, the step back, and the no overwater square footage sections. Great. I move that the Estuary Planning Commission adopt the findings and conclusions contained in the staff report A19-01 for Bridge Vista Overlay and Riverfront Vision Plan areas, excluding the following sections. Page 1514.100.C.2, page 1614.113.A, Page 1614.110.2D.2. Page 1714.113.C.2. Page 1814.113.2. And recommend that the City Council adopt the amendment request. I would second that with an amendment. I, I see that there are two sections that, that weren't included um, as far as I could see. And one is, um, oh God, now I've forgotten which one it is. I, mar I thought I marked it. I didn't hear 14.060.C on page 17. Okay, that is not changing the height in that is the Civic Greenway area, and it's not changing height. It's just clarifying some step backs, and that's a clarification and Thank not a height change. Thank you. Second. <laughs> and then would we do a separate motion for the special districts? What all you would need to do is state that you are continuing discussion of those items plus the two special districts to a date and time specific, which would be recommended the May 28th at 7 p.m. at City Hall. Is that part of the same? I'm sorry. Is that part of the same motion? Uh, that would separate? be a separate motion. Okay. So we have a. To clarify, the, the the special district for Astoria Warehousing wasn't part of this amendment. It was just placed up for it discussion. Was, correct. It was okay. just for discussion. So the, the, I believe the motion is accurate. Okay, so we have a motion and a second uh, without further discussion. All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? Okay, that motion carries. And then if we could have a motion to continue the hearing on the... The discussion, not the hearing. Sorry, just continue the discussion on the exempted portions here and the two districts. And could, would someone like to make that motion? I apologize. I, my colleague and I were whispering to each other and didn't hear what motion you were looking for. But what we were whispering to each other about was, could we have a work session on this before 
the next meeting, not that we don't have enough meetings, uh, but it, it would give us an opportunity to talk more about some of these specifics and give staff a heads up before the next actual meeting and, and also the, and the public. Okay, that if you want, you might want to do the May 28th as your work session because what we're looking at is staffing. We are very short staffed in the department. Um, Tiffany is about the only one there right now. And um, I am gone except for one week between now and May 28th. Uh, so reality of getting anything from, accomplished from staff is limited. Uh, so what I would recommend is that you just make the May 28th your work session, and that's where you're going to be discussing it and can give staff direction at that point. We're not going to have time to work on it between now and then. Okay, thank you. Reality. Could, I, could I add a suggestion? In the past, um, when we've had work sessions, particularly for the... Um, for the um, excuse me, whatever, the central urban core. Thank you. <laughs> My brain's tired. Um, we have allowed public testimony during our work session. If we could do that again, I, I wonder how we, you We have that option, that. and I would reserve that option. Reserve the option and feel it out, see how much time we have, see how many letters we get. Are we leaving the public testimony open for, for this discussion, or do we have to open a new at this time, the public hearing is closed. However, once you direct staff as to what you want written, then it would be appropriate to reopen the public hearing to get comments on what you finally come up with and direct staff to write. Okay, thanks. Okay, I will move to continue the discussion on the exempted sections of the previous amendment request and the discussions over potential uh, sub areas within the Bridge Vista, Vista to address Astoria Warehousing and the port properties. Do we have a second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Say abstain. Motion carries. Okay. So, in reading into the record here, should I read this into the record, Hunter Johnson? What do you have? The appeal? Uh, no, there's no appeal because this, your recommendation, it's just a recommendation to City Council and City Council will make the final decision. Their decision is appealable, but your decision is not. Okay. So, uh, the Planning Commission found the proposed amendment to be necessary and recommends to the Australia City Council that the pro proposed amendment as, as amended be approved a copy of the application, all documents and evidence relied upon by the applicant, the staff report, and the applicable criteria are available for inspection at no cost and will be provided at reasonable cost. Okay. Next item. Are we going to 1904 at this point? Correct. Miscellaneous right. code amendments. Amendment request A19-04 by the Community Development Director to amend development code sections concerning miscellaneous issues, allow additional administrative variances, allow additional front and street side setbacks, sorry, street side setback averaging, allow certain stairs as an exception to setback, allow arbor and gateways in fences, amend lighting standards, amend outdoor storage area enclosure standards, amend and add definitions, allow residential use behind the commercial use in C4 zone, 
codify several legal interpretations of code application, add 15 feet setback for parking from top of bank, expand non-conforming uses and structures to allow continuation of certain residential use, clarify off-street parking requirements, and other miscellaneous updates. Does anyone object to the jurisdiction of the Planning Commission to hear this matter at this time? Does any member of the Planning Commission feel he or she has a conflict of interest or any ex parte contacts to declare? Um, I should probably note that I may own some properties that would be affected by this, but I believe that I can be impartial in my decision-making process. Okay, can we have a presentation of the staff report and recommendation? Okay, throughout the years, um, staff finds issues that could be better written in the code or ways to make things either easier for staff or easier for the, the property owners or the applicants. And we have gone through, what I have done is gone through the entire development code and tried to find areas uh, that needed to be updated or clarified or to do some different processes. So I'll quickly go through some of these um, and just so you have a general idea of what we're doing. Uh, temporary uses right now have to go to Planning Commission. We're saying that a renewal of a temporary use could be done administratively, saving time at the Planning Commission. Uh, type two variances, which mean that the, the planner makes the decision after public notice and public review uh, we're adding some additional ones to the staff abilities, which would include fence height, lot coverage, residential parking, or two parking spaces for non-residential. So these would take the load off the Planning Commission and make it quicker for the applicant. Uh, a lot of typographical errors that we're fixing. We're adding a process for code interpretations and legal lot determinations. We do both of these, but there's no actual process in the code. For setbacks and uh, exceptions, uh, allow street side averaging, um, and that we can see in this uh, diagram, it just allows if one property uh, is built closer to the property line, the next property could also be uh, slightly closer to the property line. Uh, allow required stairs and landings to be in setbacks so that you don't have, you have an existing door and you want to put stairs, you can't without a variance. Allow ADA access without set, uh, variances, arbors and gateways to be six feet tall. Um, describe how to measure a fence height, which we don't have that right now. Uh, encroachments beyond property lines could be reduced without a variance. That's like if you have a garage that is partially into the right-of-way and you want to bring it back to your property line, you could do that without going through the variance process. Uh, clarify that trees are not limited to fence height and administrative type one for parking lancers. These are all very um, minuscule type things. The interpretations for clarifications, we are amending and adding some definitions. Uh, a 25-foot recorded easement for access to properties. Visual access to water includes, uh, public access to water includes visual. That is a state requirement. We're just clarifying it in the code. Um, we're clarifying how storage areas for manufactured dwellings need to be built. 
microwave receiving dish. Uh, we're upgrading that to the current size and also stating with, that it not be on the street facade of historic properties. Uh, that is the way we imp, uh, implement the code now. There are some new regulations coming up concerning microwave receiving facilities or um, devices, and uh, Commissioner Moore has brought this to our attention. So we also will be uh, recommending that we put in some additional language that would deal with other devices that might not meet the microwave receiving dish so we may be changing that to device. So uh, that would be a change that we'll be recommending uh, in this document. Um, that parking can only back up four spaces into the street, and we're just clarifying that that's four per block. Um, allowing some on-street loading if the city engineer approves it. Um, Making the code uh, current processes for permit amendments. Uh, right now, there's no process in the code. Uh, public notice, just to clarify how that's calculated. Limitations on refiling um, applications. Right now, it only applies to planning commission, yet all commissions can have refiling. <clears throat> um, there's a lot of uh, items that just need better wording. Uh, it will not change what it does. Um, setback from the uh, top of bank for parking and storage. We have an interpretation from Crest and from a city attorney previously that 15 foot is an ideal setback. This is what we use right now, just not in the code. Miscellaneous updates, there's some definitions we're adding. Uh, allowing residential use behind and below in C3 and C4. And before you, in, uh, you have a additional code amendments from the code that was mailed out. <clears throat> and we clarified some of that language in there um, also to address residential homes and residential facilities that were overlooked in the original document. Uh, state law requires that residential facilities be allowed everywhere you allow a multifamily and a residential home has to be allowed everywhere you allow a single family or two family. So it's just changing the code to be in compliance with state regulations. Okay. Uh, creating exceptions for non-conforming uses and structures to allow reuse. This is to address the housing issue. Right now, if you have a house that has a second kitchen in it and you've not used it and the the lot is not large enough for a duplex, you can't use that apartment because it doesn't meet the current code. You have to go through the various process. So to address the, the need for affordable housing, we're saying let's look at some exceptions to allow that when it's an existing uh, design of the house itself. Um, just noting that parking on street remains public parking and clarifying that the parking requirements such as uh, one, two spaces for a commercial use or something does include the calculation of employees and customers. Um, there's a process table in the, sec uh, the administrative section that we want to delete. It doesn't do us any uh, benefit. 
the permit applications, uh, we just want to state that by applying to the city for a variance or a conditional use that you're granting us uh, access to the exterior of your property for inspections. Um, just changing pre-application meetings to be maybe instead of required, changing some application due dates to what we actually do. And the residential facility. Signs and lighting. We're adding a definition of a billboard truck, which has become an issue in the last few, last year or so. And so what we're saying is that uh, billboard truck or animation vehicles are prohibited. These are vehicles that are used solely for advertising purposes. It's not to go after the U-Haul truck or a Pepsi truck that has advertising on it. That truck is being used for other purposes and so that can have advertising on it. But to <laughs> solely use a vehicle for advertising, we're prohibiting. <clears throat> so what these do is just drive around the streets, park, and just for advertising. Uh, clarify angle of projecting signs, and then uh, in this addition <coughs> that um, this additional sheet, we're also clarifying uh, the number of signs and for walls and temporary signs. This is how we have interpreted the code and been enforcing it. So this just clarifies some of the language. Um, we want to add the uniform lighting standards and we're not changing what the current code says. It's just in several sections of the code, it's worded slightly differently, depending on which section, which when it was written. So what we wanna do is add just one standard, which is the one that's generally in our Riverfront Vision Plan and make that the standard city wide rather than all these different references that say similar things. And then we'll add a reference in all of the zones to that lighting standard so that it's, it's all uniform. Okay. In a nutshell, that's what's being proposed. The miscellaneous review, there are a lot of things in here, um, but most of it is just either housekeeping to make it clear or to make things in sync with other sections of the code when there are, um, when a code would be amended and you didn't catch another code that it impacted, was trying to make them all so that there was no conflict within the code. I can answer specific questions, otherwise, you know, just moving ahead with these. Great. Are there questions for staff? <laughs> Commissioner Cameron Laddick. Yes. Um, there's a couple of sections on my packet where um, some text has is uh, in strike through that I want to make sure that it's not an error. Okay, um, what page? Page 23 first, because the the annotation part of it has strike through, and I'm not sure if it's only the annotation that is wrongly struck through or if the, okay. yeah. Demolition historic. Is that correct? correct. That's <clears throat> What I had to do was because this went to you in a work session and also has gone to the State Department of Land Conservation and Development, I had to track what changes occurred between what we sent to them and what we put on here. Okay. So we had originally proposed that definition, so we're taking that out now and that, that issue is gonna be dealt with with a separate amendment. Okay. 
the same question basically with, um, and it might be the same answer, on page 26 and 27. There's two more sections like that. Um, the, the bottom of 26. Uh, those were issues, again, that you saw in your work session mm -hmm. and were sent to the state, but we are withdrawing them from consideration at this time as they may need additional um, discussion and development rather than what we had originally proposed. Great. So the document is accurate. Okay. Any other questions? I have, I have some questions. Commissioner Moore. On page three, um, could you explain, considering that we've seen two temporary use permits <laughs> over the last few years, two different ones, one of which has been universally approved with no questions. The other one has been contentious at times. Could you explain what would trigger planning department to bring this to APC? Right. And the Community Development Department, if it is a non-contentious issue, such as the one that you were talking about the, uh, that comes through every year for the conti continuance, <clears throat> we would do those at the staff level. It would still be public notice and we would still make a decision so the public would have input. If we believe that there is going to be opposition to an, a continuance, <clears throat> a renewal of that permit, then we would bump it up to the Planning Commission. Uh, if we realize it after we start working on it as staff, because we are going to do public notice, then at that point we can either make a decision and have it appealed to the Planning Commission, or we can at that point bump it up even after we've advertised it the other way. So really opposition <laughs> is kind of the key there, you would think? If there's a key issue or some concern, if we don't believe there's any concerns or opposition, then we would uh, public notice and make a decision at the staff level. Great. On page nine, um, you have a, a, numer, a number at the end of that statement on number three, but no unit. So the top of page nine, that it shall not exceed a height of six. Oh, six feet. Thank okay. you. Sure. Boy. Um, I'm going through my list to see if there's any more questions here. So I do have a question about on page 15, and we're talking about access to parcels. And we're adding that a recorded easement of 25 feet may be used to satisfy this requirement. I know in Upper Town, in my neighborhood, there are a couple blocks that have landlocked parcels that are accessed only through an alleyway. The alleyway is not landlocked. If there's any um, right-of-way adjacent to the property, that is considered their legal access. So it's a, it's a right-of-way because the language here says each lot and parcel shall have shall abut upon a street other than an alley. So, so what it, would this, would a right-of-way is a street? A right-of-way is a street, and in this situation, it's saying that you can't use an alley for that 25 feet. But how, how, how is an alley defined then? An alley is defined as part of the right-of-way, but uh, for this purpose of access to street, that's the existing code, and it specifically says not an alley. 
but what we are changing here is to say through a code interpretation by uh, city attorneys in the past, we have said that you could get access to your properties by having a 25-foot recorded easement, which would basically be like a flag lot where you have the recorded easement and the lot would be in the back and then you'd have a lot in the front. So you could theoretically not abut a street and still have access through a recorded easement. The issue of the alley, if that is a concern, uh, alleys in many cases aren't wide enough. They are only 20 feet wide in some cases. Mm -hmm. And so for emergency services, we want that 25 foot. And that's why the alleys weren't included as uh, meeting the legal access. So as an example, um, the, the Holen residents, Chris and Jennifer Holen, are you familiar with them? I'm not sure their address. They live uh, up, well, th their house is accessed through an alley. Okay. And there are lots, fully developed lots, all the way around them in all directions. And if something were to happen to their house, they would not be able to reconstruct their house because... Yes, they could. This is for uh, n new development, new lots. So if you have an existing situation, that doesn't change. They would still be able to rebuild because they are pre-existing lot. This specifically so an un, an would undeveloped be, lot. Or to sub, if someone came in and wanted to redo their lot lines, mm -hmm. this would kick in. So it's when you're changing lot lines, doing a subdivision or something like that, that this kicks in. Pre-existing are non-conforming and can remain non-conforming. So they could redevelop because they are an existing non-conforming lot. But a lot that was landlocked in that way that has no structure on it couldn't be developed without 25 feet of street access. Right, because they'd have to have access to it somehow, yes. But they couldn't have access through an undeveloped or through a right-of-way, through an alley, a 20-foot right-of-way. Uh, at this point, they could not, uh, unless if they were changing something. If it's an existing lot, and they're not changing the lot lines, that's a pre-existing non-conforming. This is for development or changes in lot lines. So not right. the pre-existing. Okay. I think that's all my questions I have for you right now. Okay. I'm sorry, did you have more questions? Actually, I do have one more question. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Um, on page 24, it says, when a residential structure has been used in the past for more units than allowed, the use may continue even if ceased for one year with the following conditions. I didn't understand what ceased for one year that's, that doesn't really put a limit on anything. The current code says that if you have a non-conforming use that involves a structure and that use stops or ceases for one year, then you have to go to the current code and you can't reestablish that use. So let's say a person had a duplex 
but the lot's not large enough. And they decide for a year, they want, or two years, they're going to live in it as a single family dwelling and not rent out the other one, intentionally using it as a single family dwelling. Because that duplex use ceased for one year, they cannot go back and reuse it as a duplex. Due to the housing shortage, what we're recommending here is that residential uses such as that, we want to get rid of that one year limitation because maybe the next owner wants to do the duplex again or whatever. And so we came up with some uh, conditions or or qualifications there, they can still go through a variance process otherwise, Okay. but this allows some exemptions. So the, so the comment ceased for one year relates to other parts of the code that Correct. more clearly defines that. It just seemed like it sh should be ceased for one year or more instead of yeah, just it, one year. I just wanted to clarify that, that, right. that if it this, relates to something that makes Yeah, that's this more is uh, the non-conforming section, so this is okay. only uh, one part of it, so I didn't the whole Great. Community. Thank you. That concludes my questions, Mr. President. Thank you, Commissioner Moore. Thank you, Planner Johnson. Other questions for staff? Mr. President, President Fitzpatrick. Uh, Commissioner Price. Planner Johnson, um, there were there are three questions, at least, that I found uh, in in this, and I wasn't sure whether those questions are meant for the Planning Commission to answer or Otherwise, um, the first one is on page 12 in the underlined italicized portion, sort of in the middle of the page. Um, if the parking lot is, is the use, could the charging stations be considered an accessory to the parking lot use? Were those, that one and then there are two others. Are those questions for us or? Yes, it, uh, they were meant for you to, if you had any comments, those were just thoughts that staff had, uh, if you wanted to respond to those questions. Well, on, on that one, if you don't mind, I will respond. I would say yes, if that's uh, what makes it easy, is, which I think it would. Um, the second question is on page 13, sort of two-thirds down need to look at the 50% requirement and determine if this meets the intent of the use and how best to define this use, and that's on tourist-oriented sales or service. Right, and that, we were waiting to see what the decision was tonight on the um, classification of cannabis as retail versus tourist-oriented, and so that issue of whether the 50% or more needs to be um, addressed differently or whether just listing some of the um, uses such uh, that aren't included, because I did put in there general, uh, primarily used by the general public such as video rental establishment, pharmacy, we could add more there, but those are just examples. But the 50% is something that you may want to decide whether you want a different percentage of gross square floor area devoted to tourist-oriented to make it tourist-oriented. Did we have some discussion about whether we want to just eliminate this category entirely? There are, we still have uh, Shoreland tourist oriented. We still have what's called the C2, which is a tourist commercial. Right. 
as we eliminate those zones, we have not eliminated them everywhere because you still have some areas that you want concentrated more with tourism. And so I, I think you still would need that definition and the use until such time as you eliminate the zones that are tourist related. How would you suggest um, going about addressing this tonight if, uh, if this needs further discussion? Uh, I, don't, I don't know whether If it does. you think 50% is not enough, you could make a recommendation tonight that you want 75% of the gross floor area to be devoted to tourism uh, in order to be tourist oriented. Um, I mean, that's if you want to increase that percentage. I don't know. Um, I'll just go into the next question um, while we maybe think about that. And the third one um, is on page 29 at the bottom and has to do with the completed zoning checklist. Is this required of all applications? If not, should clarify when it is required. seems just at first thought that it, it's easiest if it's just required of all. Right, and that was uh, a, a question more for staff than uh, the Planning Commission, because okay. it's more in-house, in are, we, are we requiring this for all applications? So that's more a internal process question. Okay, Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Price. Any other questions for staff? I have a, a follow-up <clears throat> question. Um, what businesses currently um, have administratively been approved that you could think of in the tourist-oriented classification? Well, tourist-oriented isn't necessarily administrative. I mean, it's a allowed use. Um, you could have a T-shirt shop, you know, that is gearing towards the the tourism. Um, Trying to think which ones we've had come through. I mean, that, this, is, this is why it seems like it's a the question earlier and now it's it's hard to define that. Right, but what's happened is over the years that we have created zones where we were encouraging tourism because we were economically depressed and we were trying to uh, bring other businesses to this area for tourism as a an economic factor. We're seeing that as you probably remember from the urban core um, work sessions and we're seeing that possibly there's not as great of a need for these tourist oriented zones in some areas because of the fact that we've uh, economically changed and we're not needing to direct areas specifically for tourism anymore. It's citywide. Until we eliminate all tourist-oriented zones, we need to keep the definition. And so right now we're just looking at it in the urban core area. So to clarify, uh, currently in the S2A zone, that is an outright use. Correct. And that was why our earlier... Correct. Was, ...was concerning that. So besides S2A from outright use, um, as every other use from the tourist-oriented zone is not specifically an outright use that would be required? There are multiple outright uses in the S2A zone, and it could be um, hairdressers or something like that. I'm actually talking more tourist-oriented outside of the S2A. 
The S2A, um, once you're outside the S2A or the C2, which is tourist-oriented commercial, those are the only two tourist-oriented zones. And there may be one in the gateway area because you have maritime heritage zone that may use the terminology tourist-oriented. So there's only two, three zones that use that terminology. And um, there are other outright uses that are allowed in those zones. Does that answer? I'm not sure. I, I, is, you, is there Romack. Commissioner Price. <laughs> Thank you. Is there, isn't there a distinction, though, between tourist-oriented zones and tourist-oriented retail sales? Because it's hard to think of a, a business that currently exists um, that, it, that is retail sales that does not uh, cater to everyone. I mean, you could look at a lot of businesses downtown um, th that are that are not, I think, designated tourist-oriented retail sales. They're just retail sales businesses. Right. Correct? Correct. You have retail sales, which can have anything right. other than automotive. So retail sales covers everything, whether it's tourist or non-tourist. Where the di distinction came was when you had specific zones where you were trying to eliminate some of the more intense retail sales furniture, that type of thing, and concentrating more on a tourist district or tourist zone. So as we're transforming ourselves away from these specific zones and, allow, and having it concentrated everywhere, uh, there's going to be less and less of a need for this definition. But right now with the S2A zone, tourist-oriented is an outright use, and the more general retail, because that area is more concentrated for tourism, has to be a conditional use to make sure it's appropriate for that area. Thank you. Other questions for staff? Okay. I will open the public, public hearing. Public testimony is now open. If you wish to speak, Please come to the podium, state your name and address for the record. And again, this is regarding the uh, amendment A19-04. It has nothing to do with any of the hearings that we have held previously tonight. Hi, my name is Stan Johnson, 92732 Fern Hill Road. I have two questions. Generally, I'm in favor of this. I build houses, that's what I do and anything that would help make this development code easier is a wonderful thing because it's not fun to deal with the bureaucracy in any of the agencies or the counties, cities or whatever and, and this is a huge step forward if we can make it easier. Um, also uh, on uh, page 10 um, on access for parking, it says parking and loading access Areas having more than four spaces in the same block shall be designed so that vehicles do not back out onto public streets. Um, question for staff is, I have built up in Eagle Ridge, there's one block that has, uh, I think, five houses on it. That all the houses, the residential houses, would back out onto the street to turn around. Would that be legal now? No, that is not what this is addressing. This is addressing where you would have 
multiple vehicles backing out those are individual lots with each individual lot would be taken on its own ok then on oh let's see spot oh this is on page 11 and you have a diagram here showing parking areas with 20 spaces or more she'll have a minimum of one landscaping divider per 10 parking spaces and it looks like what you're trying to do is make this code easier so that you could actually have a section with more than 10 spark parking spaces and not have this landscape dividers in there ok what we are recommending here is that is that the right now if you have 10 spaces you have to have a landscape strip if you go 11 spaces and a landscape strip that has to go through a full public hearing variance what we're recommending here is that staff would have the ability to allow one space difference as an exception so 11 would be allowed not 12 or 13 or 14 but it would allow us to do it administratively rather than going through the variance process for just that one space exception what I would recommend to the planning commission here is that you liberalize this even more than that I am in the process of developing property in Warrington kind of kitty corner from Lemon Udy's right on the Skippinon River and in that density we are allowed 21 units of density we are only proposing to build 16 but in the process we are having a real struggle finding parking because when you define parking you also have to consider fire trucks and fire truck turnarounds and then you got to you got to figure out for garbage trucks and where the garbage containers are going to be fire hydrants mailboxes all this stuff fits into the planning of how a building can be developed and this is something that if it could be simplified so that perhaps we could maybe use less landscaping thank you thank you Mr. Johnson and thank you Planner Johnson would anybody else like to address the Planning Commission regarding this item I get tired of sitting down so Bob Levine PO Box 1082 Astoria I really wasn't going to say anything on this issue at all I was waiting for the the next one but I believe on page 24 where you're talking about a, a residential unit where you had two units prior and one was left vacant the only thing I would encourage and I'll say it again when we get to the next section on the for the agenda is that I believe if you've got an R1 zone that all of the properties in that zone should be R1 there should not be duplexes or anything like that that they should revert back to R1 period thank you thank you anyone else okay closing remarks from staff yes I just respond to the last speaker we did put in there that the units need to have been legally 
uh, created and are allowed outright or conditionally in the zone. So if you're talking about an R1 zone, it would not allow, be allowed to go to that duplex. So it, we did put that in there so that it would be limited to single family. Great, thank you. Am I able to comment back on that or not? Make it quick, please. Uh, I, I guess the question, if, if I know of places where there are currently like a duplex in an R1 zone, currently, should they then be looked at by the city and then disallowed? Those are existing non-conforming probably, not something that was created after our code necessarily. Um, so the code does allow for existing non-conforming uses to continue. Once they cease right. the use, that's when it kicks in and we would bring it back to a single family. Okay. Any, uh, thank you. Any further closing remarks? No. All right. Public hearing is closed. Discussion. I have an item I'd like to discuss on uh, <clears throat> page 12, the adding electrical vehicle charging stations uh, as automa automotive service stations. I would really like to see um, electrical vehicle charging stations really easy to implement and install and in the downtown core, maybe even as common as parking meters someday, because I think electrical vehicles are going to become more and more common as we go through. Uh, I would hate to see any difficulties uh, or any real challenges or even made them out, out illegal in our, down, in our downtown, especially in the urban core. So I would, I would enjoy some conversation about that section. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, is it appropriate to respond? Commissioner Henry, it would be appropriate for you to respond. I completely agree. That's a really good point you bring up there, Commissioner Moore. Um, I, like, um, I like limiting the signage. So maybe um, some language could be added that limits the size of the sign. And if the sign is under a certain size, it doesn't need to be classified as a service station. And that's what I have there, that if it doesn't have a freestanding sign except directional or informational of less than four square feet, which is similar to what you have over at the transfer, uh, the intermodal center on 9th and Marine, they have vehicle charging station there with signage, but it's not a freestanding. What we were trying to get at with this was a uh, large lot with nothing but charging stations that's not associated with anything else so that it would be just a vehicle parking lot for charging. That was what we were trying to get into the automotive service. All others, if it was associated with the use such as the intermodal center or if you wanted to put two or three stations in a residential parking or if you have Safeway and they want to put a few parking stations in, those would be allowed 
is when they would just do a full lot of just part of stations, charging stations that were not associated with anything else. So really a charging station service lot. Right, okay. Sorry, I overlooked that part about the four square feet. That's Thank okay. you. And I, I, I should clarify, my concern was that I would be fine if someone made a parking lot that was all charging. Okay. I, I would be, I'd be fine with that, even if, you know, whatever. So I just didn't want to, to limit the possibility of um, an electric vehicle charging lot not being available somewhere because it was classified as an automotive service station. Right. So, so that you don't end so up just with call it a parking lot because that's what it is. A, where a service station isn't allowed. Yeah, I would rather see them just part of a parking lot. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Thank you, Commissioner Moore and Commissioner Henry. Other discussion. Um, one more point on that: they would still have to follow the landscaping standards for parking lots, right? Correct. Yeah. So, okay. I think that helps a lot because then they've got more character depending, you know, and screening requirements and things like that. So I can't hear. I would tend to agree, but I would think that you'd want to have limitations on their size if they were in a zone where service stations are not allowed outright. Thank you, Commissioner Henry. Further discussion? I have an, another kind of related item I'd like to discuss. I would just like to respond to the... Um, Could I ask you to bring your microphone up? It's hard, yeah. it's hard to hear. I'd like to respond to... Well, I can hear it echoing now. Okay. To the, um, to the gentleman who came up with his uh, public comment about the parking lots. Um, I, I tend to disagree that the um, parking lot planting standards should be uh, relaxed. I, I do agree that um, adding an additional space as long as the amount of overall required landscaping is not reduced, I, I agree that's reasonable. So I, I don't propose a change to, um, to the amendment that, that the city has added, but I don't, I don't believe that we should pursue uh, reducing landscaping standards for parking lots. I, I think that that's environmentally unfriendly and um, compromises the character of Astoria. Did you have further comments? Oh, no, that's all for me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Did any of the commissioners have further discussion? If not, then I would look for a motion. Oh. Could I ask a clarification? I've heard some discussion about allowing electrical vehicle stations more as a service station on their own. And since automotive service stations are prohibited in the downtown, would you want this broken out so that it's not a prohibited use downtown? We don't have to classify it as an automotive service station. I would, yes. So you want to allow an electrical charging sta service station as a use in the the downtown or as a use in a zone and not prohibit it anywhere. Correct. And then I want to see if that is the general consensus because if so then I would rewrite this to to take it out of the automotive service definition. Is there a downside? Uh, 
the downside is if your downtown is more pedestrian oriented and you could have an entire lot devoted just to charging stations do you or don't you want that and so th in an area that is more pedestrian oriented and dense how much area do you want taken up with just a parking lot of um, charging stations that are just for the charging not as a parking lot and so president fitzpatrick i would then go back to wondering what the problem is with um, automotive stations in the downtown area is it traffic is it fuel spilling what would be the common things that would be shared between an electrical station and a liquid fuel station that we might consider the automotive service stations are prohibited in the downtown because downtown is more pedestrian oriented we also don't don't allow drive-through facilities such as a drive-through fast food place uh, they do allow bank drive-throughs but that's the only thing so it would be the traffic drive the cars driving in and out to get electrical charging that might interact with the pedestrians that is the issue might that's be an issue. issue and taking up space uh, mm -hmm. for a more concentrated commercial zone mm -hmm. with that and, so and whether that's where you have to discuss more whether that's a pro or a con to have the charging stations mm -hmm. different than a uh, service station because a service station you don't want that traffic and that drive-through in your downtown you yeah. want those in more uh, your general commercial areas along the main highways. I would ask the commissioner more than kind of if it's a traffic thing, what does the distinction between liquid, you know, filling with liquid energy versus electronic energy? If it's a, a yeah. Time. I think this is one of those things that uh, will be looking back at in 50 years. Huh? So thinking back 50 years, my cousin worked at Rocky's Shell, or I'm sorry, yeah, Rocky's Shell over here on the corner where the collection bureau is now. And then they moved out to where Joe's Mobile is. Um, so 50 years ago, there really wasn't much question about needing gas stations downtown. And now we're talking, and, and there wasn't any question about electrical stations downtown. And I do wonder what, from Commissioner Price's question of what's the downside, I uh, wonder what uh, people will be looking at in 50 years regarding our decision tonight about uh, charging stations in the downtown it's a tough it's a tough thing to to decide on right now on the fly if i, if I might brainstorm a little bit i, I see the differences are that um the serve the the service stations if they were electrical if they were not service stations if it was a parking lot dedicated to electrical charging cars take time to charge so they're it's a more stationary site than a gas station it's not a drive-through service um, it's a landscaped parking lot, so it has landscaping standards. Also, I don't tend to ever use this statement, but I kind of think this might be one of those situations where you can trust in capitalism, as somebody said in one of our public comments last month, um, where if someone's going to invest in dedicating a parcel of land to an electric charging, to electric charging stations, um, it might not be successful if it doesn't get enough use, but if it does get enough use, then it's obviously needed. So just some thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. Commissioner Cameron Laddick. Um, I think I'm actually comfortable with the way that it is written in this amendment. I'm kind of flipping through and looking at where um, Automo automotive service stations are allowed. So these are not gas stations, um, but they're allowed as 
conditional uses um, in most of our commercial zones, anything, everything kind of but downtown. And um, I feel like that's, that's appropriate. I'm happy to kind of make a, um, you know, have us make a conditional use decision um, case by case where we can look at whether what the impact is going to be, if this is a good or a bad place to have all those cars sitting around. So I think you're right. It's going to just look like a parking lot. It takes a lot longer to charge an electric vehicle than it does to put gas in your tank. Um, so I think it's not necessarily appropriate for every, for every location, um, especially with this kind of exception that if it's um, you know part of a another primary use, which I think is the more likely situation that you'll have one or two, um, as we do now, one or two charging stations here, here and there as part of you know a larger business that you'd want to spend time in. Um, I think that's more likely what we're looking at. So I'm comfortable with the way it's written. That's a good point. Having them sprinkled throughout might be better for the character of the urban core and um, the pedestrian-oriented district. Yes, and I, I um, while, while I'm very much in favor of protecting the downtown historic core, I'm not very much in favor of doing things that pushes everything out to the side so that we create a situation like every other city where the sides are all developed and then you just have this nice little core. I think um, Astoria, particularly on the north side, is Astoria and I prefer having with some variations, obviously, um, standards that apply throughout so that we have a cohesive city. And I, th I think that um, as long as we answer the question yes of uh, if the parking lot is the use, could the charging stations be considered as an ex accessory to the parking lot use? If we say that yes, that takes care of the issue throughout the city, really. You've convinced me. Let's move forward. Me too. <laughs> so, would someone like to make a motion? So I would move that the Planning Commission uh, recommend adoption of the proposed amendment A1904 to the City Council. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? Motion carries. The Planning Commission found the proposed amendment to be necessary and recommends to the Astoria City Council that the, pro that the proposed amendment A19-04 be approved. A copy of the application, all documents and evidence relied upon by the applicant, the staff report and the applicable criteria are available for inspection at no cost and will be provided at reasonable cost. Okay, um, next up would be amendment request A19-02. And we moved this on the agenda to the, moved this to the end of the agenda uh, because we wanted to get through 19-04, um, which we have done. It's after 9.30, it's at almost 9.45. Um, we have the opportunity to continue this to another meeting. Should we? Well, we have quite a few people in the audience that I think we're waiting around to discuss this one. So okay. if possibly we could 
go through the staff report and maybe take some public testimony and then determine whether to continue it at that point? Would that be? Okay. Yeah, I, I wondered if that would be an option. So At least um, take the public testimony uh, and then decide whether you have enough time to make a decision or continue the decision. Okay. So you would give, you would do the staff report, we would open. I'll do that real quick and then open for public testimony. Okay. Okay. And for the record, I would note that city manager uh, Fred Estes joined us uh, somewhere around 930 or so. Mr. President, Mr. President, hi. <laughs> Commissioner Price. I know you're tired of hearing me. Um, I wonder if it is useful for, for council to, to at least make some preliminary remarks before the public uh, comments, because then at least the public sort of knows where we stand. And it might have been very interesting in our first amendment request if we had had some of the conversation about um, uh, Commissioner Moore's proposal and then have heard from the public about that tonight as they were making their comments. So I, I don't know what you think about that, but I, I just put that forth as a possibility. I think if it were 6.30 in the evening, I'd be happy to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would be happy to consider it if the other commissioners would like to do that. We would, if we have a continuance on this, we could reopen the... You could keep public hearing open uh, and just continue the public hearing, but uh, I think at least trying to get the testimony from the public that have waited so long would be good. Okay. It could just I agree with your, your statement, Commissioner Price, because I think that some people would like to comment on our discussion after it's been made. Right. Um, I'm not sure. It could just be very brief. Like, you know, for instance, all I would say is I, I agree with this. You know, I don't have any particular questions. Somebody could just say I have some particular questions regarding X or Y and so that and, and just leave it at that. So are you asking that we have the, the staff present uh, their report and then discuss before we open the public hearing? Yeah, but just very briefly, just to sort of like quick straw poll. You know, I'm for it. I got some problems that address X or Y and then hear from the public. Mr. President, not to drag this out, but I think it's important that, that we not have conclusions before we hear testimony. So I would be against doing that. I would like to hear the staff report and then hear public testimony before I announce any conclusions that I may have drawn. Commissioner Moore makes, makes a good point because we aren't supposed to find conclusions or, or make a decision without public input. Um, Carry on. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Price. Thank you, Commissioner Moore. <laughs> Amendment request A19-02 by Community Development Director to amend development code sections concerning transient lodging, amend and add definitions, add reference to the city code homestay lodging regulations, establish standards for transient lodging in conjunction with homestay lodging, allow administrative conditional use permits, limit transition of units, pardon me, limit transition of residential units in commercial zones to transient lodging and other miscellaneous updates. Does anyone object to the jurisdiction of the Planning Commission to hear this matter at this time? <coughs> 
Does any member of the Planning Commission feel he or she has a conflict of interest or any ex parte contacts to declare? I would just state that I have certainly had a number of people talk to me about this over the past several years. So I've had considerable uh, discussion, uh, but not necessarily related to this particular um, item. Okay. And uh, excuse me, sorry. Perhaps I should say that I was on the city council when the uh, when these amendments were discussed at a work session and, and sent to the Planning Commission, and I approved of them at that time. Thank you, Commissioner Price. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Could we have the presentation of the staff report and recommendation? Okay, the first thing we need to do is set what we're talking about. And just real quickly, homestay lodging is two bedrooms in a residence or a building, and it must be owner-occupied. A bed and breakfast is three to seven bedrooms and can be owner or manager-occupied. An inn is up to 11 bedrooms and can have associated uses such as weddings or things like that. Hotel, motel, or other tourist lodging such as vacation rental um, are not allowed in residential zones and it's providing lodging for guests, no manager occupancy requirement. Vacation rentals, um, commonly known as a full home being rented when no one is living there. Uh, it's not defined by our code right now, but we have interpreted it to be the same as a motel since that it, there is no manager occupancy at the time or no owner occupancy. And so it's not allowed in the residential zones at this time. Uh, the other issue that people should be aware of is Airbnb or VBRO, vacation, or VRBO, vacation rental by owner. Those are advertising platforms and not a classification of use. So you'll hear Airbnb used sometimes by people to mean homestay lodging, uh, but that is just an advertising platform. Okay, so the city code recently, as uh, Commissioner Price noted, was uh, amended to provide a license process for homestay lodging. Uh, the standards were to apply to all homestay lodging, again, two bedrooms, owner occupancy, you're allowed one per site or condo, it could not have a kitchen is what they decided as that would reduce the ability to use it as a housing unit. Uh, the owner has to occupy the same unit as the guest, not in the separate duplex section, like a duplex uh, live in one and rent out the other. Uh, it's not allowed in an accessory structure, uh, not allowed in an accessory dwelling unit, but could be allowed in conjunction with an accessory dwelling unit. It has to meet certain fire, life, and safety requirements and inspections. The license requires public notice, and then they have to get their occupational tax, transient room tax, and a homestay license fee with yearly renewals. Uh, there are signs and parking requirements. Uh, they have to identify their advertising platforms such as Airbnb or v VRBO. The permit or the license is not transferable to another owner. Uh, they have to post their uh, codes and parking requirements 
requirements for the guests, and it established standards for renewals and code enforcement. So this is all in the city code. What the city council then did, once this was adopted, it does not address the other types of transient lodging, bed and breakfast, hotels, or none of those. This is only homestay. So then the city council directed staff to update the development code to make sure that it uh, was in compliance with this new homestay lodging licensing process and that there weren't conflicts. So we updated the definitions. Um, we're looking at prohibiting homestay lodging in accessory dwelling units and set standards for homestay lodging in conjunction with an accessory dwelling unit. Uh, prohibit kitchens in the, the homestay lodging. Uh, prohibit transient lodging of any kind in mobile vehicles. So you couldn't have a travel trailer in your driveway and rent that out for transient <laughs> lodging. Uh, we've had issues with that. Um, limit the conversion or use of existing residential units in commercial zones for motel. Um, what we've had is sometimes you have a home or a residence that was located in a commercial zone and they were converted to vacation rentals, thereby reducing the housing stock. Uh, so what staff did was uh, there were other issues that we needed to clarify uh, and do additional code updates to bring the transient lodging into sync. Uh, so we updated the references to the city code. We created a type two administrative conditional use process, which was not in the code before, to allow the homestay lodging to go through staff review with public notice and not have to come to the planning commission. Uh, clarified that transient lodging signage was only two square feet. Um, clarify off street parking requirements with some exemptions and allow conversion of former hotels in the C3 and C4 zone that were currently being used for residential to be converted back to hotel use if they so desired, if the building was built as a hotel. As an example, you have um, the John Jacob Astor, you have the Norblad building, you have other buildings that were built as hotel, yet converted some of their rooms to resi residences. What the code is recommending is that they be allowed to go back to hotels because that was the intended use of the buildings. Okay, uh, so that in a nutshell is what we're proposing. Um, there are other minor changes in here, but basically it's keeping uh, the R1 zone because of the intensity, the R1 zone would not allow a homestay lodging in conjunction with an accessory dwelling unit because R1 zone is single family only adding an accessory dwelling unit, which is allowed by the code, puts two units in an R1 zone. If you allow the homestay lodging, then you've got three uses where only one is originally proposed. So with that, I can answer questions, but that way it leaves time for public input. Are there questions for staff? I do have one question, Mr. President. Commissioner Moore. Uh, on uh, page three, under the definition of timeshare. I just want to clarify that this is an arrangement where someone doesn't own a property, they're just buying a right to use a property. So for example, if 
I and 13 other people buy a house, I can still be allowed to use it for less than 30 days and because I own the house as opposed to buying the right to stay at a house. Is that different? Right, and that's what we're saying is a timeshare where you're staying there less than 30 days would not be allowed. It would be a hotel at that point. But I just want to clarify, what the, the arrangement, we're not talking about a group of people that, that own the property that divide time among each other. We're talking about people that buy into some arrangement just to use it. Anyone, if you are going to be, uh, a timeshare is generally where multiple people, as you said, are either owners or lending out, you know, loaning out their time for that property. What we're saying is if the occupancy is less than 30 days, then that building is considered a hotel for that less than 30 day stay. So any place that allowed a hotel or motel, that would be allowed. So hypothetically, if 52 people get together and buy a house in R2, you wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to stay there for a week at a time. No, each they would family. not. That would be even though they Even though they owned the house. That would be a timeshare, and that's what we're saying, no, they can't, because that is not putting permanent residents in a residential area. It's creating that transient problem in a residential area. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. May I uh, latch onto that as well? I mean, even if there were, say, six people bought into it, and and they each stayed there two months out of the year, the fact that it is not owned by one family uh, prevents it from becoming a, um, a short-term rental. Because it says a dwelling unit that is occupied for other than permanent occupancy by one family. So, unless it is the permanent residence of one of the six, Right, and it couldn't be it couldn't be a, a short-term rental is that correct correct because what you have is transient lodging right and that's what we're trying to prevent in uh, residences that could otherwise help with the housing situation right thank you other questions for staff okay I'll go ahead and open the public hearing Public testimony is now open. If you wish to speak, please come to the microphone, state your name and address for the record, and again, please limit your comments to three minutes. Is there anybody that would like to comment? Yes, I'll go first. Uh, <clears throat> Price Politsky, I live at uh, 270 West Exchange Street. Um, I understand the, the shortage of housing uh, rentals in Astoria. Um, we have uh, we have we have three rentals uh, adjacent to our to our uh, our residence over on uh, Uniontown, and we haven't really had uh, very good luck uh, renting them out. Uh, the, uh, the last uh, the last renter uh, that we had turned uh, uh, reverted back to using uh, methamphetamines and. Uh, uh, cost us eleven thousand dollars in attorneys, and uh, we're still cleaning up the mess. 
So I just wanted to uh, have an option of maybe uh, of having a vacation home if I wanted to do that. Just, I would like to keep that option open as an alternative to, uh, to renting that hasn't really worked out very well for us. Thank you. Planner Johnson, would you like to comment on that? It's what we're proposing that would not be allowed is vacation rentals in residential areas. Uh, that comes down to management of your, your tenants. I understand issues with tenant problems but addressing the need for housing versus the need for transient lodging in a neighborhood so having uh, vacation rentals ends up with people not living there full-time and it changes the character of your neighborhood thank you anybody else like to address the planning commission good evening Walt Holstewaite, 36468 River Point Drive, Astoria, Oregon. Um, two quick points. Um, in A19-02, the, the piece that grabs my attention is limiting the transition of residential units and commercial zones to transient lodging. The way it reads right now, it is completely prohibited to take something that had been residential use, whether it's currently occupied or had been previously occupied, so it could be vacant now. Buying that if it's in a commercial zone and converting any of those units into a short-term stay. Um, when a property is vacant, and I look at downtown, and in my career, I'm a career banker, I've financed a lot of um, rehabilitation on old properties. You have to have a project that's economically feasible. And, and I certainly understand the value of not converting these residential units, and by no means would I recommend lifting that out completely. But the reason why the city had to adopt a homestay lodging code is potentially short-term stay lodging, transient lodging, has the ability to produce more revenue for a property owner. So when you look at will this development or will this remodel be economically feasible, you have to look at does it pencil? Will this produce enough revenue to cover the debt service is really what it boils down to. So I would encourage instead of a complete moratorium on a conversion, perhaps it's you can convert a quarter or a third or maybe up to a half of these units if they were vacant. You know, there's a couple properties downtown that I can think of that has vacant space, nobody's in there, so you're not taking a unit that's currently somebody's permanent residence as a rental, kicking them out to turn it into a short-term stay. But there are units that if somebody invested, they could open up additional rental, long-term housing units, but they may need the ability to have a couple of those units as short-term stay just to make it pencil. So that I would encourage you to be a little bit more creative than on a complete moratorium on that, that conversion because I would, I would like to see some of these properties actually uh, renovated and, and create more additional housing. And then the other piece that, that just kind of came up here with the timeshare that got brought up is um, um, how does that impact a couple families owning a vacation rental in Astoria. 
Because what I heard is if you've got multiple families, so let's say two, who own a single family residence in a residential zone, that would not be allowed. And so I'd question that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Postalite. Other comments? Bob Levine, P.O. Box 1082. This whole thing, whether it's transient lodging or people renting out rooms in single-family residential homes, really is a concern to me. And I bought my home in an R1 zone intended for single families. I happen to be in an area with a house next to me. They rent out two rooms long-term. There's a house up the street where they rent out the basement long-term. Uh, there's some other areas like on Franklin, actually, yeah, it's on Franklin where there's a fifth wheel trailer with people live in it. There's on Third Street where there's a, another trailer with people living in it adjacent to homes. So in my own case, I, as a single family home owner, I really don't want any of this next to me. I don't want people having multiple cars over and over with different people being there. And I really don't want long term rentals either because I'm faced with the long-term people next to me. They have a nice habit of smoking on the front porch. And even though I have double pane windows, I get to smell it all the time. So it's really an impact, whether it's long-term, which I believe is prohibited anyway, or in short-term. So I object to both of those. Great. Thank you, Mr. Levine. Anyone else? Okay. Uh, there's one more. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I would like, my name is Matt Gillis, 5965 West A Street, Westland, Oregon. I would like to ask that you don't approve uh, the, the limitations on short-term rentals in the C3 and C4 zones. I believe the C3, C, the C4, the Central Commercial, was designed for transient lodging and commercial business, and it brings industry to this town and all the tourism. Um, not every person that comes here wants to stay in a hotel. They bring, you know, there's family reunions that might want a house. And I, I understand the residential zones and living next to a transient lodging or a, a Airbnb. I understand the, that in a residential zone, but I believe the central core was designed and for hotels and for uh, being able to use these as Airbnbs. People want to be able to walk to town. Um, and I would request that we look at other options for housing. I know there's a huge housing shortage um, uh, in the, I would think, higher density in the first eight blocks from the C4 zone. That would, there's a two plot, there's a two block section that's developable that's not my per opinion is not quite economically feasible with build costs. The build cost nowadays is very expensive, um, but that would be a good solution to add higher density. And in Portland and other cities, they've reduced the parking. So in, cent in commercial zones and in high density residential zones, they've eliminated parking for buildings that are 20 units. I think the housing is the issue with this. And I think there's a solution to change the zoning as if you look at 2050 for Astoria, we're going to have a lot of R1 zones and lower residential further out, and that kind of naturally makes sense. But if we limit this now, you're not going to be able to bring any of these, all these buildings down here that have upstairs 
you know, we're limiting, there's very limited commercial space as it is in the central area of Astoria. And I would rec request, I understand the residential limiting of homestay, the homestay lodging, but in the commercial zones, I believe those were designed for homestays, hotels, motels, you know, commercial uses, restaurants, coffee shops. Um, and I think there's other solutions within the zoning to create more housing. So I would like to look at those options, you know, parking, even eliminating parking. A lot of the affordable housing is the issue. And for one bedrooms and studios, maybe we have no parking requirement for units under, um, or for buildings under 10 units or something like that to help with affordable housing. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, then I will close the public hearing. Oh, I'm sorry, closing remarks from staff. Uh, just so that, uh, just to clarify that the prohibition on conversion of residential structures was a suggestion of the city council that we put in here. So the planning commission would need to determine whether they want to support that or not to bring it back to city council. But just so you know, that's where that came from. Okay. So um, it's after 10 o'clock. Would the council, or I'm sorry, the planning commission like to discuss or should we get a continuance? I'd love to get this off our agenda as we have large agendas coming up, unless there's a very long discussion forthcoming. That's always possible. <laughs> I'd like to weigh in, um, just so you can kind of get our temperature. I don't think I'm going to have a lot of comments or discussion points on this section. I, I'm pretty satisfied with what staff has recommended. Okay. Commissioner Womack? I'm open. Commissioner Price? I'm happy with staff's recommendation. Commissioner Corcoran? I'm happy with staff's recommendation unless people want to discuss the commercial zone. Uh, that was just brought up, the option there. Does anyone want to discuss commercial zone? I'd be open to discussing uh, removing C4 from um, the list of zones where where from removing C4, the, the core. I think the downtown core would benefit from transient lodging. I don't think there's a lot of units, a lot of residential units, single residential units in the C4. So we're free to discuss if you'd like. Would anyone like to dis discuss that? Well, there are, is C4, is the downtown core? I just don't have the map in my head yes. right now. That whole pink area. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of places down there where people used to live and are maybe, are not now maybe because rents have risen or otherwise. And, um, and, and that is really a, a terrific place for people to live as we learned again from the building blocks, Michelle Reeves, um, uh, process that she did a few years ago, having 
actual housing in a downtown area is one of the best ways to create vitality. Um, so uh, I, I, I think that's a prime area to reserve for long-term housing. I agree. Thank you, Commissioner Price. Thank you, Commissioner Henry. Commissioner Cameron Laddick. And to clarify, when we're talking about the, the C4 um, district right now, we're only talking about the question of the conversion of um, units that were, that were, that, <laughs> that are now residential converting back to uh, transient lodging. Is that correct? No. I understood what we were talking about to be, to eliminate, maybe I'm wrong, Daryl, uh, Commissioner, more, um, <laughs> uh, that we were talking about eliminating the C4 zone from uh, the allowing of uh, transient lodging. That was my understanding as well. Yes. Yeah. That was my intention. Thank you. As for allowing conversion of former hotels in C3 and C4 zones, this is Commissioner Henry speaking, I am in favor of that. I don't have any discussion points on that. And I'm, I am in favor of that as well. Okay, I, I'm, it's getting yeah. I missed exactly what you just said. <laughs> are, you, are you saying you are agreeing with not allowing the conversion or to allow conversion? We're agreeing with what you, I am agreeing with what you proposed. Okay, okay. <laughs> Commissioner Moore, did you want to clarify? I'm, I'm going to try to clarify here. Let me read for a moment. Why don't you move on for a second while I clarify in my mind here. Um, let's just strike my comments. I don't think there's support anyway. Okay. So are we back to everyone is in agreement with the clarifications and additional code update in the report? So would someone like to make a motion? I move that we uh, vote to approve the amendment request, A19-02, on transient lodging. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? Motion carries. Hey, check a box, huh? I did it. I did it. Okay. The Planning Commission found the proposed amendment to be necessary and recommends to the Astoria City Council that the approved the proposed amendment A19-02 be approved. A copy of the application, all documents and evidence relied upon by the applicant, the staff report, 
and applicable criteria are available for inspection at no cost and will be provided at reasonable cost. This concludes the public hearings and we will now have reports of officers. We will start with Commissioner Cameron Laddick and work our way down this way. Nothing to report. I have nothing to report. I have nothing to report. I have a couple of items. This is Commissioner Henry. Um, I am working with uh, Rickenbach Construction on um, the sailing pond at the um, Columbia River Maritime Museum Depot Common area. So when that presentation comes before the Planning Commission, I have an economic interest in that project. So I, I will have to reprise myself from voting. And I thought I would mention that in case uh, we're missing others and it might mean we don't have a quorum. So I can put that in writing and send it to city staff and if, if, if that's of interest. Um, yeah, so I, I think if you would just communicate that with city staff, what we'll be able to do is poll um, um, the rest of the commissioners to make sure we have a full quorum okay. for that item. Yeah, because I don't know when that date will be that they're coming before the planning commission, so. Um, oh, it's coming right up. Okay. On the 7th. Okay, well, then I'm glad I mentioned it. I wasn't sure I should mention it. Um, one other thing, um, this is sort of an awkward venue for mentioning this, but I am three months pregnant, so I am anticipating going on maternity leave uh, in October, probably. So I know that's still six months out, but just so you all know. Congratulations. And if I have a Buddha belly, that's why. <laughs> Congratulations. And thank you, Commissioner Henry. Commissioner Womack. Congratulations. And I have nothing to report. Congratulations and nothing to report. <laughs> I would like to report that I am not pregnant. <laughs> and other than that, I have no comments to add. Thank you, Commissioner Corcoran. Staff update. Uh, I have nothing. Uh, Tiffany, do you have anything for nothing? No. So we just have the two upcoming meeting dates, uh, Tuesday, May 7th at 6.30, and there are two or three items on the agenda. And then Tuesday, May 28th, your normal meeting uh, will also be a Traffic Safety Advisory Committee meeting, and that will start at 6.30 also. Great. Take off this would part. be time for public comments for non-agenda items. Would anyone from the public like to address the Planning Commission on any non-agenda items? Seeing none, we are adjourned. The time is... 18. Now is the time to clap. You're right. <laughs> I will. I will. I will be here. What's that? May. Yes. I'm checking. I'm sure I will be. I won't be here for the November meeting. But. I know. I know. <laughs>